Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special holiday episode of Movie Mumble. Special holiday episode. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love doing the holiday ones because it means Zeke has something to say as well. For those of you unfamiliar, Movie Mumble is a uh, typically monthly movie discussion podcast where us four friends get together and watch a movie and talk about it. There are no rules. We can pick any film at all, new or old, foreign or domestic. Live action or animated, a movie we've seen a million times or never seen. Um, we spoil everything we watch, so if you're worried about that, watch a movie before listening to its episode. And at the end of each episode, we'll tell you what we're watching next month so that you can watch along with us. Uh, although that doesn't always apply to these sorts of special out-of-order episodes because uh, we don't always know where they're going to slot in on the order. <laughs> but that's why they're special. You know, we go out of our way just for you listeners. I'm your host, Scott Murray. My first video game console that I ever owned myself was the original PlayStation. I'm joined today by Joel Lewis. You think you're better than me? I had NES. I had NES with a big claw-footed TV All that right. had three channels. <laughs> All right. That was the first one I ever played. It didn't make its way into my home until later. We are joined by Tim Gerard. Hello. Uh, the first system I actually had was called Intellivision. <laughs> which was an abbrevi- as an abbreviation for intelligent Joel television. He saw it. Jim's got the intelligence. You don't okay. even know. Uh, <laughs> is that Coleco? Like what? what? <laughs> that was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, I think around the time of Atari. I feel like it's. Uh, I think there were a few systems that kind of came and went where people were like trying to compete, mm-hmm. and it's like you know. Um, it was where yeah, it was around for a while, and then it just kind of fell off. Like I, I don't think I ever knew anyone else who had an Intellivision. What did you play? Like, what games came on Intellivision? Um, Burger Time was on it. Okay. Um, Solid. It was a, a game called um, B-17 Bomber. Okay. Um, yes. one, of the, one of the cool things was it, was, it was, I think it was one of the first systems that actually had, like, vocals to it. Like, it would have a robotic voice that talked. And that was oh, one nice. of the big fun things when you put in B-17 Bomber. I was like, B-17 Bomber! <laughs> would, like, say the title of the game. <laughs> Um, there was another game I had, I think it was called like something like attack on Atlantis where, you know, you were kind of like on Atlantis and there were like buildings under the water and like guns and aliens were flying over, like bombing you. And you had to like, you had shields and you had to keep them from blowing up your shields and blow up all of them up. Um, there was another one. It was called demon attack. I think it was like kind of like a space invaders type of thing, you know, where stuff was coming from the top and you had to shoot it all and get by and everything. Um, the worst part was the controllers were terrible basically looked like a TV remote where it had like a number pad on it and then like a, um, a black disc. And mm. I think they were thinking like, Oh, you could kind of move the disc in a circle and press it. And then it had buttons on the side, but they were like, it wasn't like a, like a sort of digital button, like click, click. It was like pressure sensitive. So like mm. you never knew, you knew, you didn't get the haptic feedback of, Oh yes, I've pushed this button. So you're always like pressing it, not knowing if it's working and having to press it harder. And it just like, it felt like the whole time, like either, like, you know, it's not working or I'm breaking it or something. It was just never, yeah, it was part of the challenge was just the hardware, uh, like, was just terrible. You know, it's like, I, I could be better at this game if I had a different controller. <laughs> like so, a power glove. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia here tells me that uh, Mattel made the Intellivision, okay. by the way. Okay. The <laughs> and that they introduced Intellivoice for it. In mm-hmm. 1982, and there were a total of four Intellivoice games ever made. <laughs> One of which was your B-17 bomber. Yeah. What were the other three? Does it say Space Spartans, Bomb Squad, and Tron Solar Sailor? 
Oh, okay. I didn't oh, it looks like a car phone. It looks like <laughs> a, an old school cell phone. Ooh. And it was We're a cool thing, too. We're in a time of technology here, Joel. Google this, His... listeners. This is amazing. <laughs> Here's the other cool part, too. So, like I said, like it was a remote with a, with a number keypad. Each game would come with these two little, like, um, like these two plastic, like, sleeves, not sleeves, but just, like, uh, like inserts that you would slide in, and they would go over the numbers, and it would kind of tell you what each of those buttons did. It would be, like, a special thing. So it's like, oh, you know, one is this button. So you didn't have to remember it. You'd That's have this thing you'd have cool. to slide in for every game and, like, okay, this is what these buttons do. So, like, if you had to pause or, like, I want to go to this menu or I want to do that. So in addition, and, and, what, and that was what was terrible, too, though. It's like those buttons were easy to push, but those weren't the ones you were using to shoot. It was the side buttons that you're kind of squishing your fingers on. But, yeah, that, so I was, that was something that was kind of, I think, I, I wonder if that's something they were trying to innovate, where it's like, yeah, we're going to, rather than having, oh, this one joystick and one button, you've got this sort of custom set of, you know, what your buttons do for this. I love that. Like a skin of, yeah. like, of controller skin for every game you get. That's fucking rad. Okay. I'm, I'm in. I'm in, Amico. If you, yeah, if you lost them, you were screwed, though. Because <laughs> you're like, I don't, know, I don't know how to play this game anymore. <laughs> uh, and as a long-delayed introduction, we are joined, of course, by Zeke Perez. Hi. Um, yeah, the first one I ever played was my neighbor's Super Nintendo. Uh, first one I ever owned myself was uh, N64 with, uh, with the Super Mario 64 bundle. So, And I think I did all get right. that for Christmas. I'm not... I can't remember all the way, but I think I did. I think I did too. Like when I got a, a 64 was when we moved to, to Denver as like one of the first Christmas and they bought, I think it was the, the uh, star Wars racer bundle. And then mm, we also got nice. Mario 64. So it was like, I don't need another game. <laughs> <laughs> like I, <laughs> and my NES I had when we lived in Hayward, California, and I think when we moved, we left the TV that we could use with it. And I think, uh, like, it crapped out. Like, my dad, as, you couldn't blow the cartridges. Whatever whatever was wrong with it was deeply internalized. <laughs> and it didn't, it survived the trip. But I, I remember that one fondly. Yeah, NES has definitely been one of the, we can, I don't know if we, we want to keep discussing this now or talk about it more later. But it's, it's, it's really cool how it's kind of come back and forth into and out of my life, like throughout my life, like the NES specifically. Um, and it's, it's definitely like shaped a lot of things, you know, throughout in the way, the way it kind of like, you know, it's, it's that old faithful, you know, kind of thing, you know, and it's like, you have like, you know, and I've, I've, I've found other games, you know, on other systems that I like, but it's like, there's nothing like just going back and playing the original Zelda, you know, whether it's, whether it's on an actual NES or like, I think at one point I did the thing on Wii where you could like buy old video games and play them on your Wii. But yeah. So Wikipedia helpfully breaks down the the generations of consoles. And I think it's a bit of a retrofit based on like somebody looking around at the major players in like 2005 and sort of proceeding backwards but it places your intellivision in the second generation Tim. oh wow <laughs> um, is that like after know. the original atari or something so or? same as the atari 2600 okay um i guess mattel developed it as a direct competitor it looks like it man it's like got wooden siding in the same way like it, it's it's a good design have you I seen might... the 2600 they're way bigger than you think right like, yep yeah yeah like designed to be in your home, like as a as a, a display piece almost. Yeah, 
Yeah, the way TVs were at the time. Right. Center. <laughs> the whole thing goes into the wood paneled box that has, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like camouflage. Like, where's the TV in, in, in Atari? Oh, it's over there by that wall that's made of wood. Wall, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, thank you all. We'll probably circle back to that, I'm sure. But um, for our special holiday episode. Special holiday episode. Come we on, did rookie. in fact watch a movie. <laughs> yes, we, we did. It's true. This is still a movie podcast. And we watched 8-Bit Christmas, the 2021 Christmas comedy movie that you probably remember for having Neil Patrick Harris in it, if you saw it. Um, he certainly dominated the trailers. And he narrates the entire film in a, a sort of flashback setting, not unlike a Christmas story. There it is. There's one yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, it's going to come up. We, <laughs> we pitched a bunch of holiday-related movies and then as a group narrowed down on 8-Bit Christmas. But I think 8-Bit specifically as a suggestion came from you, Tim, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about your history with this? Yeah. Um, well, it was um, – so two years ago uh, in December, I had watched a different Christmas movie every – every day of December leading up to Christmas. And then last year I wasn't able to do that because I was still in school. So, and you know, it was just kind of just coming on. I think my September went, I mean, my semester went all the way up to like the 23rd or something like that. So I just had a few time, a little bit of time towards the end to cram in a movie or two, but um, you know, really didn't have any time. And I think that's, yeah, that's when it came out. And I was like, Ooh, I want to watch this as part of my 25 days, you know, movies of Christmas and didn't get to, and it wasn't high enough on the list. You know, like when I had a, a little bit of a few days to squeeze in some movies, I, you know, it was Christmas story, Christmas vacation, like all the standards, you know, Mickey's Christmas Carol, you know, like, um, so yeah, I just ended up never seeing it, even though I wanted to watch it last year. So when, when that idea came up, I, you know, I was thinking of how, oh yeah, this was kind of still stuck in my mind from last year, how I wanted to see it and never saw it. Plus I thought it might be kind of a cool change of pace to, for it to be a movie that none of us have seen as opposed to like, you know, one of our old favorites, which, you know, we've, we've done that already. We've all picked our favorite Christmas movie and then even did like home alone, you know, as that sort of group one. So it's like kind of opposite end of the spectrum, like something brand new that none of us have seen. That's not a part of our traditions yet. Um, and about video games. And, you know, it was just like, yeah, perfect. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, it's nice to have one, uh, one that none of us have seen because like, they're a little more rare. You know, we all tend to bring something that at least we have seen before, the pickers. Yeah. So it's great. I, I'm really glad you brought it. I enjoyed this a lot. It was refreshing and new, certainly. Um, do you also want to do the plot summary or Joel or Zeke? Do one of you want to jump in or what are we thinking? I think Tim should have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, so part of this, I'll also throw in like, you know, that this, what appealed to me about this was this, this was kind of my story as a kid, you know, like, um, and, you know, I'll also get in a little bit with the sort of personal connection as I'm telling it, because otherwise I just end up repeating myself later that like, you know, that idea of, you know, Nintendo had been around for a little while before I had one. And, um, and it was funny too, cause I didn't know about this in the trailers, but you know, it starts off with Neil Patrick Harris, you know, kind of with his daughter and she, she wants a cell phone and he's trying to explain to her why she can't have a cell phone. And she's kind of living through this technology as most people are today. I won't even say most kids. I'll say most people, because I feel like the older generation always likes to poke fun at, you know, kids for always being on their phones, but it's like, you have your shit too. So, um, so yeah, everybody is kind of, I mean, our lives all depend on technology. So, you know, he's trying to kind of 
you know, talk her out of that, that sense of like, you know, you don't need to have a phone. You don't always need to be in connection with all of your, your friends all the time. And he's taking her to his mother's house for Christmas. Um, and while they're there, when, you know, they show up, no one's home. So they're like, Oh, while we're waiting, let's go play my Nintendo. So he has an original NES. And as they start playing, he's trying to tell the story of how he got his NES. And, um, you know, they kind of keep going back and forth. So, yeah, so I guess this is maybe one of the first comparisons. You almost get this because of the flashback aspect of it. That part reminds me a little bit of like um, Princess Bride. I know it's not yeah. the same thing, but, you know, it's got this sort of like, oh, here, let me tell you this story. And at first the kid is like, oh, you're old and your stories are boring. But as it's going on, she's getting more interested and there's more suspense built. And, you know, she wants to hear what's going to happen next. Um and he's basically telling how, you know, when he was a kid. So this was the part that I definitely saw as me where, you know, Nintendo had been out for a while, but he didn't have one yet. And it was also funny, too, that they mentioned in the film, there's this one kid and he says, you know how some people are rich, but you don't know that they're rich, you know, and you kind of find out later. And it's like, this wasn't this kid. Like everyone knew he was rich. He was kind of nuts. He was like kind of an asshole. And that that was sort of what my introduction to Nintendo was a friend of mine from elementary school, like, you know, we would hang out at school. And then we got to that point, like, Oh, I'm going to go over to his house. And his parents had this like gigantic TV, like one of the like projection TVs. That's like, you know, like we talk about TVs in inches, like this TV was in feet, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and he had a Nintendo, not just a Nintendo. He had the fucking robot too. Like, oh, no you know, I feel like way. that was the thing. Yeah. And that was the thing too. Like, I feel like when Nintendo first came out, it's like, here's the regular ass Nintendo, two wow. controllers, Mario. Then there's, Ooh, this one with the gun in Mario and duck hunt. Like that Zapper. was like, Oh yep. man. Yeah. And then they had this fucking robot that what made, they made a total of three games that used the robot. Robotic operated buddy. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, and, and he, and I think one of the games was like gyroscope or something like you that. You just made me sad that Rob didn't show up in the movie. I wrote a note. Oh, the yeah. Power Glove showed up. I was like, ooh, when do we get to hear about Rob? And then, no Rob. Uh, I'm sorry. Jim, yeah, that's please. true. Yeah. If, if this kid was that rich, he should have had that version right. too. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, please. No, no. Yeah. Um, but so like going to his house and, um, you know, that was sort of my first exposure to Nintendo, kind of like with this kid. And it was also <laughs> similar to that. And, and to be fair, um, to this day, usually I sometimes enjoy watching people play video games more than playing them myself, because I feel like the, the, the really good video games, like they have this, they'll have a really interesting story driving them. And sometimes when I suck at a video game, I can't get through the story. And I end up just kind of stuck on this one section, whereas like, you know, so one of the games he had was Legend of Zelda. And I would watch him play Legend of Zelda because he was like halfway through the game. There's no way you can kind of just jump in and know what the hell you're doing. You know, I'd always be like, oh, bomb that thing over there. It's like, no, I already did. There's nothing there. Well, just bomb it. I want to see. Yeah, nothing there. Burn that bush. No, I've already tried it. There's nothing there. Burn the bush anyway, you know. So it was like when you're doing it yourself. So, so that was kind of my first exposure to with Nintendo. I mean, I, he did let me play. He wasn't a jerk about it like the other guy, but I just preferred not to play as much. So, so anyway, the kid in the film is watching this rich kid with a bunch of other kids play Nintendo. And he's like, we got to get our own, we, you know, and most of the film is him trying to figure out a way to get a Nintendo either by getting one for Christmas, which is where, yeah, you get that sort of, it's like the a Christmas story with the, you know, him wanting a BB gun and his parents are finding reasons for him to not have one. And same thing here, like the mom, you know, 
he thinks he tricks the mom into like giving, you know, okaying him getting one. And then same thing with the dad, but then they realize what he's talking about. They're like, Oh yeah, no, you can't have that. Like video games are, will make you violent, you know? Um, which I like too, that they brought up that whole aspect of when video games were coming out and parents were blaming video games for violence. And I'm glad they showed it through this light where you see at one point, this rich kid ends up almost killing the pet dog but it's because he's a maniac, not because, you know, and he was, he was nuts before he was playing video games. It wasn't the video games that did it to him, you know? And, oh yeah. So also another parallel at 1.2 to kind of up the ante, this rich kid gets the power glove, which to me, that was also another thing. It reminded me of uh, the movie, uh, the wizard with uh, uh, Fred Savage uh, back in the day. And what was cool about that was like, that was taking place like in real time. That wasn't like about the past. And it was, you know, the big reveal of that game is, you know, one of the guys had the power glove and it was the, it was the reveal of super Mario three. Um, so to kind of put that timestamp on things. So, uh, so the again, best one, so, right? the best yeah. Mario game. Oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, uh, you know, I got to find it here, but it was something about like the class action lawsuit about the power glove should have been about the wizard for making us think the power glove was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if there was such a lawsuit, but I, libel. It was libel. Was something, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> All Fred's after fault. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they end up kind of he ends up concocting his own way to get um to get a Nintendo and they have this whole scheme of, you know, here's how we can get one. And I you know, I won't go into those details because that's that makes up a good chunk of the film. But yeah, most of the film is him trying to figure out how to get a Nintendo so he can have his own, so they don't have to rely on this stupid rich kid anymore. Um then in the meantime, the parents are more actively working against the kids being able to have video games and putting a ban on video games. Um so they're like, oh, we're gonna go out of town to get one, so on and so forth. And um so yeah, so that's that's basically the 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 majority of the journey that's happening in this is you know him wanting a Nintendo and not being able to get one and trying to kind of come up with some way to get one. Um and then what is kind of nice is the ending does have a little twist from the a Christmas story so it's not a carbon copy of a Christmas story just modernized with with technology like there is a different ending and a different theme that ends up kind of running through which almost i wonder if it was hearkening back to a christmas story where it is more about like having a you know this more physical natural thing as opposed to just sitting in front of a tv staring at it um uh so yeah so that's kind of what happens again i won't really go into too much detail with the ending we can maybe talk about that more later but um but yeah so my my favorite thing about this was basically seeing seeing myself and seeing my journey with this kid and him you know him wanting an into I, I didn't go to those lengths that that he did um and then eventually a few years later i did get a nintendo and that was sort of like you know you know it was it was a great year and i think because it was almost better to like kind of building up and you know knowing that it existed but not getting it and um I'll also throw in what a nice little a part of this too. Again, this is more the personal story than the, the film plot. But um, by the time I got a Nintendo, the year I got it, I forget exactly what year, but like my parents knew I liked Zelda. Like I was telling them like that was the game I want. And when this one came out, it was the year that Zelda two came out and I didn't even know that that existed. And that was like, that was like a baller move on my parents to be like, Oh, you like Zelda? How about the sequel? And I was like, what? There's a Zelda two. That was amazing. So that maybe that would probably date it. Whatever year that came out, that's when I got it. Um, however, the sad part to this story is a few days after playing it. And um, the, 
like the, the cartridge just like stopped working. Like all I was get was a blue screen. And, you know, oh. and by that point we knew, we knew about blowing oh. in it. We knew about all this stuff. It just would not work. And yeah, I think I've told people this story before. This was before the days of like, oh, we'll just like, you know, send it back or buy another one online. So we went back to the toy store that was like in our area and they were all out. And like, that was it. You know, again, it's not like you can order another one online, like, oh, call Amazon and say, this is broken and they'll ship back ship one out to you by the next day. You know, it's like, that's it. Like, so we ended up exchanging it for Dragon Warrior, which was, uh, I think it's the American ver- Americanized version of Dragon Quest. I think that was the original game, which was similar because it was medieval, but it was more of this like term-based RPG as opposed to like physically getting to play. So it was it was similar, but it was sort of a pale comparison to Zelda 2. Similar um, in the way that, like, Mass Effect is similar to Final Fantasy. <laughs> and and yeah. for a non-video game reference, I guess, similar in the way that that Star Wars is similar to Star Trek. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're both, they're both you know, there are, there are ships. Yep. I was going to take Umbridge, that's ships. perfect. That's actually but, yeah. the perfect analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You like Star Trek? Here's Star Wars. That's not to like shit on the options yet. available too much, right? I mean, there, there was what there was. To, <laughs> yeah. It's certainly better to, if your kid wants Star Wars, it's better to hand them Star Trek than to hand them, like, Friday the 13th. But, you know, right. I, or yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's an interesting comparison. Right? Yeah. Dragon Quest and Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And, and yeah, it could have gone much worse. It could have been like, oh, here's Bubble Bobble or something like that. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, um, so yeah. So, and then this is also part of the story of it coming back. And so it wasn't until like years later where I was actually able to play Zelda 2 again at some point. Um, so there is, there is a happy ending to that. But it was, it was definitely like a roller coaster to be like, maybe I'll get Nintendo this year and maybe I'll get Legend of Zelda. Like, no Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2. Oh, but it's broken. I want to get this other game, which, okay, at least you have something. Okay. And then years later, oh, you finally get to play Zelda 2 now. So that's sort of a mix of the plot and how my story weaves in with that and parallels with it. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. It's um, it's fitting, I think, too, that it was you know your your first big love really was Nintendo based, right? Mm. Actually, I guess yeah. Everyone else here, everyone here but me, started in the Nintendo camp, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Although, yeah, as I said, I played the the NES first and then the Super Nintendo first, and the idea that there were other video games that weren't Nintendo was like, whoa, right? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> like I said, at the moment of purchase. You know, when it came video to games were always like, I feel like when I was a kid, it was the best word of mouth advertising ever. And like, I only, I would discover them hanging out with friends or going to cousins houses and they had, they would have different stuff. Like they do I remember playing Dreamcast and think it was the <laughs> coolest thing ever because oh. I was at my, like my wealthy cousin's house and I'd never seen it before. And I saw that they had a, a, a punch out, like the updated punch out. I was like, I've never seen anything like this. It was felt really kind of boutique and cool. I was to then discover that Dreamcast was <laughs> the <laughs> most maligned of of the Sega offshoots. I guess I don't know. The I, it was just the time. it was crazy to feel like this movie reminded me of that. Like the kid who had the clout because they had the best system, and like I, I felt like it was that was like a status symbol going through high school, and it, it was like a. a a pop culture reference thing that like, if you do like people who stayed up late and could watch South park. Right. And then like, like stuff like R rated movies in the same way, like we could have like had 
video games that were like Halo and stuff. Like I was always a generation behind with the video game thing. So yeah, it was it, it was very poignant to watch like for the first system ever to have this kid go through that same kind of like it's it's like a status symbol. Like the guy who had the coolest system was the coolest. It's interesting you mentioned the Dreamcast. I don't know if, how true this is, but the Sega Saturn, its predecessor, was very popular most places, but not in the United States. Right. And the the popular story, the apocrypha goes that Sega of America didn't really support the Saturn too aggressively because they didn't believe in it or for whatever reason, right? And that Sega of Japan was like, hey, if you just push us a little harder, you could see the same success we're seeing in Japan, you know, with the Saturn. And it didn't work out. So when the Dreamcast came along and it was Sega of America's baby and they pushed it hard in North America and it did really well, supposedly Sega of Japan, like, despite them was just like okay it's on the shelf great get out and like <laughs> ignored it right and so it tanked in japan supposedly you know feuding from the the two branches of the... no clue how true that is <laughs> but it's why if you talk about the dreamcast in america people's eyes light up and in other countries they don't know what you're talking about and if they ask them about sega they go oh the saturn yeah <laughs> you know like different uh different successes in different regions but was was it also around that time that the uh, Turbo Graphics sixteen came out? Because nice I remember I've not heard in a long time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember like like with Nintendo and, and even Super Nintendo being like, yeah, that makes sense that we have stuff that looks like this. Like this seems like this suits our era. Like I was never blown away by the graphics. Like you know, I could tell that Zelda two looked better than Zelda one, but like. I never really thought about the graphics until I think it was Turbo Graphics 16 was the first one was like, oh, holy shit. Like this, this looks like, oh, this is futuristic. How are we able to achieve this as humans? And then, of course, I think PlayStation came in and then blew that out of the water. But yeah, I, I remember it was in that sort of middle of like the changeover. I think that's when things were moving to like the 3D technology and stuff like that. So um, it was delayed in the U.S. The Turbo Graphics ended up competing against the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Okay. It's placing them in that range, the fourth gen. Um, the, the Game Gear. Oh, my God. <laughs> How to get rid of your batteries fast. <laughs> the Sega Game Gear. Um, so I guess, yeah, for some context, the fifth generation is our original PlayStation. And yes, no, yes, the is... Yeah, see, this is why this generation stuff doesn't work. Um, the fifth generation is the original PlayStation and this uh, n64 and then i guess maybe also the saturn yes the saturn mm-hmm. so the dreamcast technically sits alongside the ps2 and the gamecube i guess the genesis oh, okay. was around forever i mean the amount of yeah. games produced for that console <clears throat> was just insane that's where sonic started right was that yeah, genesis? Yeah, so. yeah absolutely i used to play thing. like <laughs> That's why I thought I liked Sonic was I would go over to my cousin's house and they had it. It's like, oh, and, then, and then that was like, it's really cool. And then you go back and play it like these are just un unfun. <laughs> so hard. They're not fun. <laughs> I remember the, uh, so the toy store that was near our house, like where my parents like bought the original Nintendo, we would go there. And I think we even like this even happened when we had gone to like exchange Zelda, but they had a Sega Genesis set up there and it had the game altered beast in it. 
which, like, <laughs> yeah. which like that was one of one of my fond memories like after nintendo it was this of just like oh man there's a third button and just like you know you can you know punch kick and like whatever the third button did i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> but then like years later i got it like i think on my phone or i think i have it on the wii and it's like so much of that game like the characters are just like screaming like when he's turning into a wolf so like <laughs> just the hates it she'll always like joke i'll be like oh i'm gonna play why don't play altered beast like when she's getting tired or whatever and it's just like you know it has like the big intro and just like the the voiceover and it's like oh but it was so fun i just remember like being like oh this isn't this is like an arcade but i don't have to pay for it i'm just like demoing it and like i remember getting better at that game like and, and going farther in levels and just like playing it and then like my parents like oh, okay time to go home it's like god damn it but yeah, we never we never owned a Genesis, but that's my memory of Genesis is playing at Child World. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this is still ostensibly a movie podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess we should do first reactions. We should, yeah, movie and movie inspired. <laughs> yeah, movie inspired. Right, great. Zeke, do you want to start us off? What did you think of 8-Bit Christmas? Yeah, I can do first impressions. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, heartwarming movie. Um especially the ending there, like Tim got at. Um, yeah, there's so many things I want to talk about, so I am very excited to talk about it. Uh, one of those, which we talked about pre-pod, is kind of the rewatchability and where it fits in the broader rankings of um, Christmas movies. I, it's tricky because I feel like there is a certain like actual nostalgia of having grown up with a Christmas movie that just leaves things in my rotation. So it's hard to crack in there and be a new movie that I want to watch every year because I already have so many things that I do watch because I grew up watching them. Absolutely. Um, So this one's hard to place with that, right? Like it was good. I enjoyed it. You know, do I watch it every year now? I don't know. Um, But I do think it struck me, um, Tim, as you were saying, just because I related to that too. I think for me, a lot of the gifts I did want around Christmas time tended to be video games. Um, and I'm curious to ask you all some specific questions about gifts you got, gifts you didn't get, things like that. Um, but yeah, just seeing uh, back to the Dreamcast, my across the street neighbor is different from my neighbor next door that had the Super Nintendo the across the street ones had a Dreamcast. So like going over there, they had Quake 3, which was a blast, and like all these different types of games um, just kind of like fed my initial love of video games. And I think it was a pretty common thing, right? Like uh, kids of, of, of our age and our generation to want to play with and have the newest, coolest things. Um and I feel like this movie captured that a lot, right? The word of mouth aspect of it, uh, the, you know, what's cool to have, like, what do you enjoy spending your time on? And it's the must have thing of the year. I think one thing for me that I'm interested to talk about is that I did feel a little bit like the gift itself, the, the NES and the time frame, the eighties were pretty interchangeable, right? Like, you know, it could have just as easily been a story about the sister wanting a cabbage patch doll. It could have been about a kid who wanted a kite. It could have been about a kid who wanted a remote control car. Like other than seeing the Nintendo in the mall and going to someone's house playing the Nintendo, it really wasn't about Nintendo, right? It's about what you want as a kid for Christmas. Um, So that was interesting to me. And I think knowing very little about the movie coming in, um, another pre-pod thing we had, uh, you know, talked about a pixels sort of mix up with 8-Bit Christmas. I think a little bit in my brain, I was expecting it to be, 
I don't know if I thought animated purely because I know we talked about Neil Patrick Harris, but I did think it was going to be more of a video game movie. And I think maybe that's because there are a lot of movies lately that take a lot of uh, IP, um, you know, Space Jam 2 does it, uh, Pixels does it, Wreck-It Ralph 2 does it. Um, I mean, I guess there's, uh, uh, there's like two or three more lately where it feels just like a fest of all these different things jammed into it. And I think, Oh yeah. I mean, Chippendale rescue Rangers. Chippendale, Re- there you go. That's another yeah, yeah. one. Um, ready player one, I guess is another one, but that's yeah. different too. But uh, yeah. So I thought, Oh, eight bit Christmas, this is going to be like a holy video game movie. Like it's centered in video games. You're in a video game world. And so I kind of juke myself with what I was expecting from the story. Um, but all in all, I, you know, for what it turned out to be, again, more of a story about a kid wanting a thing, regardless of what that thing was, I thought that was great. I think that the fact that the thing the kid wanted was a video game was personally great because I could relate to that. I think we've already covered it, but yeah, it did feel like a Christmas story, Princess Bride mashup. Yeah, I. but I thought it had enough of a unique spin on each of those that it did feel different, um, especially in the ending, which I'm excited to talk about too. Um so yeah, overall, I did really like it. Uh, yeah, don't know if it's a thing that I just will watch every year now. Like, I don't know if I loved it that much, just because there is so much to break into. Um, in as in as far as like my personal favorite Christmas movies go, but um, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we watched it, and I'm excited to chat about it. What about you, Joel? Yeah, I, I went in very very cold, and I, I watched it. This like right before we started, so it's very fresh in that way. Um, yeah, when it when it was Neil Patrick Harris just kind of walking through Chicago, I was like, okay, like it, it's not it's not animated, it's not a video game. Like I was I was getting Jumanji vibes. I didn't know quite where it was gonna play, and then it was like very settled into the Princess Diary or uh, uh, Princess Bride um, narration style. It's like okay, this is like a warm blanket. I understand this this framing device language. And then it was Christmas and it felt like the voiceover for Christmas story. So like it, as I kind of settled into what it was, I was like, Oh, okay, this is cool. And I was like, I was prepared for it to be just kind of like carbon copy Christmas story. I was like kind of preparing for that. And then it, it kept surprising me, which was kind of cool. And like, I've been watching 28 days worth of horror movies plus uh, up until this. So it was a nice kind of, breath of fresh air i go i go into new christmas movies i think a little more jaded i feel like i think it has to do with the nostalgia thing i feel like how could it possibly be as good as these other ones like i I, could they do it anymore i just i don't know like i feel like there's a way you could get christmas really wrong i don't know that i've seen too many that have gotten it really wrong but like it just feels like every time i go to a new one i feel like i'm very much like on edge about it but I, I was able to relax and really, I, I was crying in this one. I, I loved this one. I thought, it, and it was, I, I think in, we can get to a, where it is in, in the rankings situation, but I, I think it's like a, a, a very palatable kind of Christmas story-esque movie. And I think if people don't like that movie, this is a way, it's like a gateway drug, <laughs> which is what I plan to, I want to watch it with Tyna because I think she will like this better than the, the narration gets on her nerves. So like, I have to watch that one in secret. <laughs> so <laughs> not in secret. Just, 
Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy, I think Neil Patrick Harris is amazing. Like needless, like even though he's just the narrator and stuff like this, Tony award winning, brilliant, genius, awesome, great. Love him. And the fact that he's talking about Nintendo just makes me happy. I don't know what, like that combination really worked. And, and, but I think another, like I had two other movies that it made me think of and jingle all the way. I feel like the cabbage patch subplot with David Cross, Santa selling stuff out of the back of his car. Great. Perfect casting. Outstanding. Um, Little bit of jingle all the way there. But also I got like the Sandlot. Because it's these kids with a mission, right? It's get the get the NES at, at any cost, and I I love that it just kind of kept and it, it had that great like Christmas competitive genre thing, right? Like the, the uh, uh, home for the holidays or whatever, when like they're having uh, or even in the Grinch where they're competing with the lights, you know. Whenever there's that kind of element in it, it I don't know that there's really a kid one kind of in that lane that I've seen before, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Like I, I was prepared for it to be a carbon copy. It kept surprising me. And then it just hit me in the emotional gut. And like, I, you guys know me, I, I, I cry pretty easily, especially when the, the material is dad and son based, but this, like there's some initial carving and it's a reveal for a greater thing. And then there's an empty seat at a table and it's just, I was not prepared for that, that I, I paused it to write. I wasn't happy about it. I, I think I wrote, what did I say? I said the fucking initials to punctuate the impending dread of the dead da- dad reveal. That's what I wrote down is like, <laughs> and then I let it play. And then we saw his cup sitting there at the empty play setting. And it just, sorry, that, that hit me hard. And I, I don't know if it's just like, I, it, the, I don't need an explanation. It's it's dad sad. Like I get dad sad. So it just that was I, I really liked that. And it was it was cool to kind of have like I, I'm very gift based. I like gifts. I like getting gifts and stuff. So it was cool to have kind of that bait and switch of like, hey, and not in like a twee, gross, overly moralistic way. It it seemed like it was earned when they got to that emotional thing rather than it being about the gifts. It's about quality time. And and that, like, I thought they really pulled that off well, which is, I think the hardest thing to do in this genre. So like something that is trying to be earnest can be very, very off putting. So I I think it really nailed that. And it, it, I really like this one. This one is one I'd recommend for sure. Fearless leader. What about you? This is a really excellently made movie. It's great. I, it's funny. My notes at the start, I do have a couple of like, I don't even know what to call them, but like a couple of editing quirks. At one point, you know, when the, before the dog gets hurt, they're cutting back and forth between the TV and the kids. They'd have like, they have one TV shot and they just kept reusing it. And so at one point, the cables go from like being up here to down here to up here to down here, <laughs> despite no one touching them. Right. And I was like writing these little, and at a certain point, either those things went away or I stopped noticing because I was just too involved, right? And and because otherwise, it's just really well-made movie. It it absolutely surprised me again and again and again with its jokes just constantly in a really great way. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily enjoyed the ride. And that might just be a problem with me, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute, right? But it was so refreshing. I came away from this 
thinking, wow, they really did something new here. And I like it. You know, like it just, it felt, sure, it's a Christmas movie. So it rearranges all the pieces of existing Christmas movies. Fine. But it puts them together into something new. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to create from whole cloth. Art is about when we put our spin on things, right? And this absolutely puts its spin on things. And that's part of my earlier gripey notes. Like, oh, okay, yeah, here's the brother and sister. And the girls are like capable Hermione character. And the brother's the like clumsy slow one. Great. Sure. Totally haven't. That wasn't old already in 2002. Thanks. You know, but then it becomes kind of irrelevant. And they both just exist as people for the rest of the film. Right. Except for that introductory moment. Then the trope falls away. That's it. As for whether I didn't like it or not. I mean, obviously I did. I just said I liked it like five times, right? I, I found myself getting kind of cynical about the end of it. I don't know, again, if it's a nostalgia fin or what, but I like, well, either he's going to get the gift because, surprise, he finally gets the happy ending, or he's not going to get the gift, but that's going to be better because it's about the true meaning of Christmas, or they're going to bait and switch us on both of those 18 times. And then they did the third thing. <laughs> but that's not really the film's fault. I mean, what are your other options, right? And and how many Christmas movies have I seen at this point that that do the same thing, right? I, any other Christmas movie that has a big gift in it has to pick one of those three things. So am I just happier with the ones that I saw when I was six because they were new to me and now I'm jaded and tired of them, right? Like, that's not, that's not really the film's fault. I think the biggest negative thing I have to say is that the parenting seems really inconsistent. Like <laughs> you mean like the eighties? Like it was in the eighties? No, I mean, well, sure, but I no, I mean I'm that just in terms of what his parents do or don't want to do, or will or won't do, or who's the favorite or not. It like it goes all over the place, and it's kind of a mess. And real life is also like that, though. To be fair, it's not always logical, but uh, but that was that was really frustrating you know like oh yeah the family doesn't necessarily have a lot of money oh suddenly this expense is nothing to them okay i guess they were <laughs> saving for that or maybe it's christmas and oh suddenly they're out of money again like that that was the thing that irked me the most was just trying to get a read on his parents of like what do you want for your kids <laughs> what are you trying to do um but again i mean that's there, there are absolutely real families like that people aren't always logical beings um I maybe feel like a story should, should this telling should be a little more consistent with itself, but but that's it. That's my biggest negative criticism, right? So my first impression is that I think I need to re-examine my understanding of Christmas movies. <laughs> but this was a really well-made movie. I, every joke that showed up that did not go the way I expected at all, I just, I like paused it so I could laugh and then write notes, right? <laughs> because it was that great. And that happened a lot. So yeah, overall, if I, whatever I decide, whether I like it or not, you should absolutely watch this. You, listener, right now. Do it. Because it'll will absolutely be worth your time. It, it's funny too. I, I, you, you made me think of one part of it that I, that I thought like with, with the parenting and with the money specifically, Scott, you made me think of that, that like, I remember being like that as a kid, like having no idea how much things cost. Cause like, what was it? Like one, for one example, like you know, my parents would be like, Oh, I need you to vacuum the living room. It's like, Oh, well, the, the bag is full. We're going to get more bags. And then like, they would just not buy bags. And I always thought like vacuum bags cost like $200 each. So I was like, they must be really expensive if my parents aren't buying more vacuum bags. And the part when he talks about his retainer and it's like, Oh, it must be really expensive. It must cost as much as a new car. 
<laughs> it's like, yeah, just the way, the way everything says, you're just like, Oh, it must, you know, a vacuum must be like $10,000. That's why my parents haven't gotten a new one, even though this one's broken. Like, you know, okay. You know, and like so many things like that, where it's just like, Oh, this thing hasn't been fixed. Well, it's got to cost like thousands of dollars. Like, Oh wait, it's 50 bucks. Like <laughs> the, the thing where the dad says, why aren't you wearing your retainer? I can't eat while, while I'm wearing it. No, if we spent that much money, it's not going to work if it's outside your, like, my dad is is not like that, but he said one thing about, like, my glasses when I was really young in that same way, and it stuck with me ever since. And it was It was the same tone. It's like we're not spending all of that money for you to not use it, even though they were, you were told to use it a different way. You know, like it just. Well, what that, I thought was funny about the yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no just the dad writing. What and mm-hmm. it was it was great, like self contradictory, like parent writing. I think like that. That's I liked that they were not consistent because when you're a kid, you feel like they're always inconsistent. They said one thing, but, and also the way he works on the parents, I love, we can get into that too. Yeah. But like, the, that's some, something I really appreciate about the ending. Sorry, Tim, I know you want to talk, but no, like, okay. I liked the ending because the kid didn't win in, in the way he wanted to. And that's something that movies, when I grew, was growing up watching, the kid always got like the last word. Like Lizzie McGuire drove me crazy. I love that show, <laughs> but she always won. And I was like, that's not how this works. It doesn't matter how well my argument was or was composed and delivered. It didn't matter what evidence I brought or what argument I had. I was always wrong. And it, it just felt like I was hitting, trying to hit a target that kept moving. So it's just I liked that part of the ending, that it was consistent with how childhood feels. <laughs> well, like, no, the only thing I was going to say is I thought, like, when I had a retainer. Like I was told you were supposed to wear it while you're eating because that's when your teeth will shift is when you're chewing. So that's like the most important time to wear it. So like, for me, it was kind of funny that, you know, I feel like the dad had an out, like, I mean, assuming most orthodontists are the same, like where it could have just been, you're supposed to wear that because the orthodontist said so. And it's like, it's almost the sense of, I don't care what the orthodontist said. I'm telling you to wear it because I want you to wear it for this reason that I'm making up in this moment. <laughs> not, yeah. you know, not whether it's what you're supposed to be doing or not. <laughs> I guess I the baseball slide to get the <laughs> retainer back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not that the parents were inconsistent from a kid's perspective, which is fair, but that looking at it now as an adult, like most of the time in these kids' movies, when the parents, they either say, no, you can't have it, and there's just no reason because this is a movie for the kid and there's not supposed to be a good reason, right? Or there is. And the reason is money or practicality or parenting style or whatever, right? And even though it's not necessarily evident to the kid character, it shows up in the film somewhere. And I feel like that never happened for me. That unless they had already begun work on this fort and decided this was going to be his gift and it was going to be the coolest thing ever, we don't want anything to steal the thunder from it. Like, the reason that I got from the parents kept changing. Because every time I settled on a reason, which, not that it was told to me, but I sort of just sat there and went, oh, I guess it's blank. Like, they would do something that made that impossible. And it happened like eight times throughout the movie. And at the end, I was just like, I know nothing about these people. I felt like yeah. the main villain villain motivation was like the eighties was like the reason yeah. is like why are people in a frenzy about this the eighties yeah. Speaking of which, I am really glad that they kind of sidestepped the 
like, you know, to be fair, the moral was not getting the thing I wanted was better. But then he's like, no, but I got it anyway later. And he had to work for it. Sure. You know, it wasn't a gift. But it wasn't some bullshit like, oh, well, you know, you know, I never did get the Nintendo, but I guess I never really needed it. Oh, like, oh, like, no. The first thing he did that summer was go out and get a job and buy his fucking Nintendo, right? Like, he didn't stop wanting it because you got some other... Like, I, I loved that. That was great, right? Because it didn't, you know... It, movies made by adults sometimes invalidate the feelings of children, mm. even when they're made for children. And this didn't do that. It was really great, which was in huge contrast, again, to some of the, the setup jokes, which felt very much like adults or like a, what adults think children would dunk on adults for, right? Like the whole Dewey Decimal System bit. Like I used that in middle school because records still weren't thoroughly digitized yet. So you're telling me the kids who learned it in the 80s didn't find that useful, right? Like, come on. But you, but that was supposed to be a wink and nod joke to our, oh, everything's in our pocket. I'm like, yeah, but if it was the 80s, they probably really used that for like most of their lives, right? So, so when the film, you know, avoided that sort of like social media bandwagon feeling at the end, I mean, like I said, at a certain point, the film just stopped messing around, right? It was like, nope, we're going, we're starting. And that was, I was in. It's in for a long haul at that point. Yeah, while we're on parent stuff, I feel like I'm with you, Scott. I, I think, um, I don't know, I too am a crier at movies, but this one didn't get me. And I think it's because of how the dad acted for like 90% of the movie. Like he was a mm-hmm. dick. Like my early notes from the movie was like, the dad is the worst. And it was a very heartwarming ending, and I guess there are little pieces you could see, right? When he asks him to go varnish the hockey sticks, that's because he incorporates them into the into the treehouse, um, and because he's spending all of his time like working on this big project. Like the seeds are there, but I, for me, that didn't forgive the way he treated the kid for a lot of the movie. Like a the whole percent, yeah, the oh, whole yeah. family ganged up on him. Like very simple things, like they were all making fun of him. I think the one piece that maybe um maybe redeemed it for me but not enough to get me early on enough so that i would cry but was just thinking that uh you know it's probably an unreliable narrator right and it's it's that character looking back at his childhood so of course he's going to magnify like oh my dad yelled at me for this thing here's how it felt like he's this big monster and he's yelling at me or like oh the whole family was cracking jokes at me uh, about me at the table here's how that felt i'm sure some of it because those are flashbacks or amplified. Um, but that being said, like you're living through all those in, in real time with the main character in the way that it's portrayed. So by the time we got to the ending, I was like, I don't really care for any of the characters in this movie. Like I get that the kid wants a Nintendo. I too once wanted a Nintendo, but he's not a great person. Like the dad is an even worse person. The mom's not great either. I don't know. So I, that tripped me up a little bit, just thinking about the parents and the inconsistency. I think it was narration, but it just, yeah, it lost me a little bit emotionally because of how they came across. That's well fair. Said, yeah. I feel like I, I, I settled into the Christmas story thing. Cause I, the dad reminded me of the dad in Christmas story. So For I sure. kind of just yeah. forgave mm-hmm. him. Like, yeah. and I just like, it's the eighties. They were all like that. They were all stressed out. They didn't have any way to express themselves. Like they had to, like, I, I just explained all of it again. I did what the movies say the eighties. It's okay. Cause it's the eighties, <laughs> um, but that's no, that's, that's really fair. Like it, it is, 
I, he does stuff on the level of what, look what you did, you little jerk, you know, right. like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's uncle Al or uh, whatever. I think it's Al. It's uncle Al level. Sh- no, Frank. Yeah. It's uncle Frank level. Frank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like right. the, the hockey stick thing you mentioned to Zeke, right? He has him varnish the sticks. And then later he's like, Oh, Hey, look at that. The varnish on these sticks is really, Oh my God. Like despite the, that, I was one over I was loving the film. And then he said that. And I was just like, okay, if I were your kid right there, I'd be, I'd be like walking out of the treehouse. Like <laughs> you tricked me into this, right? That does not give me a sense of satisfaction, right? The whole, oh, you do this with your own two hands, and every time you open the store, you can be proud about it. No, like, no, you made me do this. I sulked about it, and did it shittily because I was annoyed, <laughs> and now it's going to stare me in the face for the rest. Like, this is not right. I mean, and I think the film... sorry, please. No, I think the initials thing helps to save that because you do see that eventually down the road it did become a thing that they shared together but they're you know like you said the how they got there was not great right it wasn't i think for me it would have been nice if there were little seeds throughout the movie and again i don't know because there were right varnish these sticks or um i'm busy all day working on it but there was never anything about the dad showing any interest in why he wanted a video game system or finding any way to spend time with them. It was just like, oh, I'm miserable. Leave me alone. Or, um, you know, like that's a dumb thing that you want or take care of your retainer, right? Like it was all negativity. Like there wasn't a little bit of like, this is a hardworking dad who just doesn't understand what, you know, new technology is like. And he just wants his son to understand what it's like to spend time outdoors. Like there wasn't that lead up. I think just a little bit of the dad struggling to be like, Oh boy, like I really wish you didn't want to just be inside cooped up with a Nintendo. Like what about nature? It's all very sneaky to your point, Scott. Like it's like, you're punished. Go varnish. All the bad things you did were okay because it was for a good thing in the end. Right. "Eh." But like, like, give me a little bit of good thing along the way, not just bad, bad, bad. Oh, it turned out good. Like I needed Tom Sawyer. Good. (laughs) Even though the film (laughs) didn't, didn't didn't invalidate the way kids feel and live. Right. the mom and dad totally have forgotten what it's like to be a child, right? There's that sense of like from other movies, you get that, oh, well, the kid's upset now, but like, eh, don't worry. By the time they go to college, they'll see what, how unimportant this was. But like the kid they're talking about at the time is eight, right? Like, so you mean for longer than they've been alive, this is going to sting. And then one day they'll go, oh, I don't care anymore. Like, you've got to, you know, yeah. handle That's trauma. Your kid now as a person, right? <laughs> And again, I, it was also the 80s, and we weren't very good at that. We're still struggling, right, to this day, people in general. It's not, but I guess just that that was the part that sort of irked me, was I kept, even if the film had just dropped a stereotypical reason on, oh yeah, the parents are being antagonistic, because boom, I would have been like, great, and just watch the rest of the movie. But I kept searching for one and right. finding it. And now Same. we spend all this time talking about this negativity, but like I loved every other piece of this movie. I thought it was bad. Same. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, one of the things I wonder about too, and and um, you know, as far as like you know, again, like me growing up in the eighties, I definitely I didn't I didn't know as many of those notice as many of those things because I feel like it was maybe closer to my experience. Um, and yeah, like kind of like you mentioned earlier, that's something I've kind of realized is that like when parents are trying to or or any adult is trying to connect with a kid. It's never about, well, what are the kids' interests? It's always about like, yeah, like I think what you said that what you like is stupid, 
you know, you should be into what I want to do, but it's like, you're, you're the adult here. You're the one who should be going the extra mile and understand this dynamic better than me, the child who's just like, I want what I want. I don't want to do the things my parents are making me do. And, and I feel like, yeah, that's just part of it. And that's, that's something I've seen a lot of times in my life and a lot of times, you know, in, in films and things like that. Yeah. When it's always about the parents wanting to connect, it's always about you come over to my side. I'm not going to compromise at all. I'm the adult, you know? And I think a lot of that comes from, well, I had to compromise when I'm a when I was a kid and do what my parents wanted me to do. So you have to do what I want to do now. And, and I wonder, you know, and, and I don't know how across the board this is, but kind of nowadays, quote unquote, you know, at what age parents are having kids versus back then? Because I think my parents had me where they were like in their early 20s, like 20, 20, 21, 22, 23, somewhere in that window. And I wonder if there's, if now, or as time has gone on, adults have been being more responsible and waiting longer to have kids until they can figure out how to take care of themselves and then add kids on to that, as opposed to, I don't know how to take care of myself. Let's add an infant to all this. And I think that like, you know, like the eighties and even worse. So in a Christmas story, which is what the fifties or whatever, like, it's just like, yeah, like you haven't even figured out how to be a grown up yourself and you're adding a child on top of that. And now the child becomes kind of like the focus of all, well, this is why I can't get my shit together. And so I think that was, that was, I think a big part of it where just, yeah, that idea that like, parents, you know, I don't think any parent knows how to parent. It's just, you're figuring it out because everything you think you're ready for your kid does something different, you know? And I definitely like saw that with this where it's like, you know, and I I like that we got to see it too, because I think the mom was like a teacher. So it's just like, I feel like that's even worse. It's like, you know, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, married and be a teacher dealing with 30 kids all day and have kids of my own who I'm going to have no patience for by the time I get home, you know? And it's like, every teacher joke was gold. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My daughter <laughs> I can't read this the yeah, yeah. Yeah. If there are hearts over the eyes, just mark it wrong. <laughs> and then the snow day. Like, oh, that that was straight out of the snow day movie. Yeah. That I got kids. Uh, don't get your hopes up. I told uh, you I was to get your hopes. I love yeah, that review. Too. Uh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she was so mad. She like that was like <laughs> and oh that felt like to you sometimes too it's like come on what do we need it could be... <laughs> what his dad yeah. says it's not even below freezing out <laughs> you should be outside it's not, it's not even I think, below zero i think there are pieces of that like to to make it more um but i think it's definitely undercooked like it's definitely like they spend way more time developing the pathological liar kid <laughs> they do <laughs> the dad having a gleam in his eye about the tree house he's trying to build but yeah 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 i feel like the only moment we got for that was the one when he tells the kid you don't have to clean up the dog poop behind the shit you know which come to find out it's like oh yeah he didn't want him to see behind the shit you know i also think it's funny like i wonder how long he'd been working on that and the kid never saw it because he never went outside <laughs> like it was right under his nose <laughs> like, that is a very good point. <laughs> What's it? Now, here's a question. This is me doing way more work than the film did. But he kept reminding him to pick up the dog shit. Was he trying to tease, like, hey, I'm working on this. It'd be cool to work on it with mm. you. But, there, like, he doesn't – none of that is very clear. It's very, like, after the fact. You know, go smell dog shit, and then we'll, we'll <laughs> bond. <laughs> Actually, that was another thing from my childhood 
having a yard full of dog shit because it's like, yeah, we had a dog and it's like, where's the dog supposed to go? And it's like, why don't, and that actually, I wish that had come up. Why don't you go play outside because it's full of dog shit. Like anywhere I step, there's going to be dog shit. I don't want to play around that. I mean, I don't think we as kids had to clean up the dog shit. Usually what would happen is the next time the long got mowed, it would just fucking spray it everywhere. <laughs> but, then, but then the part oh where he God. also says like, oh, you the one who wanted this dog. And he's like, you had this dog before I was born. That was exactly <laughs> it. Like, my mom and dad had a dog that like I was and It's like, I mean, I love that dog, but it's, you know, and luckily I was too young to take care of it at that point. But like, yeah, I feel like that's part of it is just like, oh, let's get a pet. Oh, I don't want to take care of it. Let's have kids. They can take care of the pet. Yeah, perfect. Well, oh my God. <laughs> it's also like, let's have kids. I don't know how to take care of it. <laughs> like, it's so funny that like, there's the same thing that they say to the kids. It's like, you had kids, take care of them. Yeah. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's, I think undercooked is the word, right? Because I did. There's pieces around, of it, but you guys I, are totally valid in figuring I, well, it was I not. I turned out the sister completely right? oh yeah her first couple of scenes i don't think i've ever hated a fictional character more carbon oh copy it very very stereotypical like holy, that sister irritating character holy mother of god i just i was like i can't watch this entire movie this is going to continue this way i'm going to have to stop the film or or like put a fist through my my, my screen right but then of course as the film went on it wasn't actually that bad. That was just her being a little sit at the breakfast table to her brother, right? There was a much deeper relationship there, you know? She strikes the deal with the doll. Like, it doesn't work out at the mall, but she doesn't blame him for that. And then, you know, they keep working on it together. Like, when she gives him the remote, right? As, as everything fleshed out, I did a complete way. And you're, you're right about there are hints that there could have been the same thing with the parents, but I guess they didn't get there. Speaking of which, Cabbage Patch Kids riots in its own Wikipedia page. Yes. <laughs> Where's that movie? That in, it's Jingle All the Way. Seriously. It's one, <laughs> of the things, it's one of the things that inspired Jingle All the Way. I'm not even kidding. So I'm on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Every year there's some stupid shit that people will just stab people for. You've got Squishmallows now. You've got Beanie Babies, Furbies, Rock and Roll Elmo. Like, there's always, there's always something. <laughs> rock and Roll Elmo. Yeah. Not even Tickle Me tickle Elmo, me. too. So, yeah, that's true. All of the Elmos. Princess yeah. Unicorn. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. When we were kids, they actually they had made, I think they were pumpkin patch dolls. They were meant to be like, they were like the cheap version. Like, that's what my sisters got. Which I feel like, at least in that case, they were like similar. I mean similar enough where it's like, well, how could you play with a doll differently? That's not an actual cabbage patch doll. Like, do you really care about the autograph on the ass and the birth certificate and everything? Like, <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, a lot of times when they have toys that there, it's like, Oh, here's the cheap version. It, it's like garbage. You know? I mean, that was kind of like GoBots versus transformers. It's like, okay, here's this transformer, this giant thing with all these parts. And it's like, yeah, I could believe that this is actually a thing. And it looks like a robot and it looks like a truck. And then you get GoBots, and it's like, here's a plane that's this big and you slide this part out and then it pull this and it's legs and arms. Like how, how is that fun? How is that the same level as transformers? I was going to say, I think that is one thing that I really liked was that, um, you know, even though they ended up with kind of the bootleg, not really the exact uh, cabbage patch doll that she wanted. Mm -hmm. I liked their relationship at the end. She wanted a redhead with freckles. He tried to get that. There was a redhead 
or there was a blonde one with freckles. He got the blonde one with freckles. He was very sorry about it. And she was very grateful that he tried. I thought that was a nice way to wrap up that storyline. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I thought they were going to get the redheaded. They just draw the freckles on. Like it seems lazy that they didn't do that. Yeah. Also, is the is the signature on the Cabbage Patch ass? Is that a real thing? I think so. That's I don't know. Yeah. It feels Basically, like I, recall it. I like, yeah. I never had one, but I feel like I had cousins who had them, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I just thought that was like a bootleg toy dealer joke. Well, that when when he right. opens up the trunk and you're just seeing the heads, I swear I thought he just was going to sell him a head. David right, Cross, yeah. I don't or trust just like a mother- stick body. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was, was... going to get the cash and then be like, "Oh, you <laughs> no proof of purchase." <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I I really yeah. liked the sibling dynamic because, like, mm-hmm. and I liked how they writ- wrote the kid where he knew what to do to overload his parents' brain to get them to agree. I feel like that was a big part of my childhood was trying to judge the vibe and what, okay, is this a negotiating situation or am I fucked and I need to just go to bed and like not bring it up to make it worse? Like I feel like, and I I love that he had that kind of navigate. It's like, okay, mom will say, okay, if I've got these three things and then I'll, I'll I'll peel the dad this way. And I like that the, the sister it's very nostalgic for me because there was a point at which my sister started to realize that I had done the field work and that I, I, I could advise her. You don't need to blow it past all of the, <laughs> like you got to finesse them. You can't just demand things cause you're not going to get the a voice of experience. So it, like, I loved that they teamed up that she was like, Hey, I know it'll look bad. If I keep bringing this up, let's tag team this. And I don't know, Tim, did you have this as a sibling thing? Like I felt like, you were either against each other or you're tagging against the parents. And sometimes when you were tagging against the parents, like it would be weird, like agreements and alliances. You'd be like, no, we're going to do it this way. Like, I feel like there's grandiose planning with siblings. Um, not, not a lot of that. Cause it was, I, yeah, I think, I don't think me and my siblings did a lot of scheming when we were younger. Um, I think it was more, and we weren't, yeah, we weren't really like, rivals in that sense either um i mean more so i think that type of stuff came out when my sisters were like older like teenagers where i I had kind of paved the way by being like the good son you know and it's like i had a a curfew of 10 so my next sister in line would get a curfew of 11 because like well 10 worked let's try to go later and then she would come home at three in the morning and it's like you're (laughs) fucking this up like i got you an extra hour by being good and now you're ruining it I clawed for that hour. <laughs> I one of my earlier notes was, "You're going to tell me this rich kid doesn't have a power glove?" <laughs> so it was funny that later he shows up with the power nice. glove, right? But that was a great, basement. great yeah, power please. glove reveal. Is all yeah, I was going to say. Like the great. build up to that, and the yeah, that was pretty. And then the, the power build glove. up to the failure to it uh, yes. of it too. Yes. Just like, oh wow, this amazing thing. And like, is he throwing this match? Is he trying to lose? Nope, it just sucks. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> I love that. But man, that basement. It was the that perfect like rich kid everything. Yeah, all the the stuff that is cool as a kid, but just is an endless amount of maintenance as an adult, right? God, the pinball machine. I was like, come, mm. like, don't, don't 
Worship at the foot of this false idol. Go over to play the pinball machine. There's no reason to wait. <laughs> the mom on the on the intercom like sounds that perfect amount of day drunk like you get out of those rich families, right? Just... I thought they killed that dog. That that oh, yeah. that fucked me up early. I was like, oh my Absolutely. god, yeah. I thought he was going to kidnap. See, that's the thing. Like he was following the dog with the summer sausage. It's like, oh. He's going to kidnap the dog and ransom him back. That's how he's going to get the N60. They killed, they maimed this dog. I feel like, too, that was also meant to be commentary. Like, kids nowadays would be like, why did a TV falling on a dog hurt it? Like, TVs weigh, what, three pounds? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, like, they're they're flat little things. I could, you know, I'm a baby. I could live with it. And it's like, nope, that's not what TVs used to be like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was my, my PlayStation was plugged into a, a little Sony Trinitron that advertised that it was in color on the front. It had wood paneling on the sides and handles built into it. You know? Zeke remembers my handle uh, tube TV. is 36 yeah. inches, the biggest TV I ever had. Oh my I gosh, put that so up good. 10 That's flights of stairs. For a tube TV. <laughs> 10 flights. <laughs> Jesus, man. We watched a lot of movies on that TV. Here's a good TV. <laughs> you kicked my ass at a lot of Mario Kart on that TV, too. <laughs> Oh, remember they the little the one we had in freshman year that was like it was yeah. only like thirteen inches. Like it fit on the uh, on the mini fridge. That one was yeah. great. Yeah, I, over the because uh, it was a mini fridge and the microwave, right? Like it went right yeah. above it, and then it had a little <laughs> built-in v- VHS player. Yeah. It was that was a was great, great TV. I love that TV. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about favorite scenes? Well, before we get there, yeah. I have to talk about that that older kid. Oh my god. Oh, perfect. The best casting. Oh, my yes. God. What? Fucking 30-year-old <laughs> ass. No, fucking late. Who's the kid from uh, Breakfast Club? Oh, yeah. Don Bender. He's like, he's like yes. a dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> we played Kenny from Mountain. It's like, you make that sound voluntary. <laughs> For reasons unknown to us, we played Kenny from Mountain yeah. with this kid. I have, like, so many of his lines written in my notes here. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what did he call the reeds? Tree circles or something? Door necklaces. Door necklaces. <laughs> that was, I wrote door down. necklaces. I was yeah, like, I'm calling him that. Get him the door necklaces. <laughs> um, Just out here assaulting people. For an answer, it's the first rule of salesmanship: <laughs> strangling the, the homeowner. Just straight up assaulting people. <laughs> Oh Are you gosh. even in this troop? <laughs> what troop? <laughs> Get to the necklaces. <laughs> Darn necklaces. Um, and similarly, that first guy, the guy who gets assaulted later, but when our, our main character tries to sell, Ma, this kid thinks your reed sucks. Well, <laughs> 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 that was so out of nowhere. Every time I, I'm like, oh, okay, this scene is ending. Boom, joke. And I just... <laughs> That was the the guy, the award for the most Chicago guy in the Chicago yeah. movie. Was like, that like swerve. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys sell wreaths at all? Um, yeah. Something else. Chocolate bars, I think. Okay. I, with my marching band. Yeah. I can't remember what we were even selling. Did you sell wreaths, Zeke? I did sell wreaths. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nornexes. He sold Nornexes. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, yeah, we started selling them as a lead up because we did the, you know, classic eighth grade trip to DC. So I think we had like a winter start selling wreaths. And then I think in the spring we sold oranges 
just to like <laughs> we needed all the money we could get so we were selling oh, we sold whatever magazines too in middle school Ooh, magazines yeah we sold chocolate bars i know chocolate bars was a mm. classic um but that was a fun little burst of nostalgia too just like just the door to door selling not anything specific but just like all the fundraising things as a kid did you guys do jump rope for heart Mm-mm. yeah oh okay. shit. So, like, count the number yeah. of jumps you could get yeah and yeah. like get people to like pledge and you're like i'm gonna be yeah. jump roping and they're and like cool. jogathons for the Ooh. same pledge system but running yeah that's a throwback i haven't yeah. thought about that was like elementary school i, yeah. I did it maybe once or twice and I, uh-huh. we never did it again jeez yeah i was always yeah, just... terrible at the selling stuff like i would have my like <laughs> it would be like grandma's coming over the uncles and aunts but i didn't go i didn't yeah. talk to people <laughs> right. my mom would take the slip to work and be like wants chocolate for my son <laughs> it's like um, they wanted us all to be involved in pyramid schemes when we got older right <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's and it's also like it probably wasn't the safest then because mm. i know they For always sure. advise like take an adult with you i don't think i did i think i just was loose i got bit on the ass by a dog once oh, selling, wow. selling stuff anyway that's a whole different story um but it's i don't not know was... now win zeke winner else are you gonna tell that story <laughs> i mean they had a they had a gate went through the gate to go to the doorbell there was no like beware of dog sign there was no dog in the yard and then rang the doorbell and then the dog ran from the backyard and then i tried to leave and then it put me on the ass and then, then I went to the next house and sold a wreath there. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, just that whole, I don't know. That was a very fun throwback. I couldn't relate to the the sibling. I, I'm an only child. So like the whole nightmare sister thing uh, was thankfully foreign to me. But the selling stuff door to door was like, yeah. Especially the, I love the, the tiers of prizes too at the end, the reveal there. Oh my and God. You just work your ass <laughs> off and genius. you just get nothing. <laughs> A globe of the whole world. Oh. <laughs> and for a second, I thought it had like a, a, a cord to like plug in. Like I thought it was a light up. No, it was just because it was on one of those fucking TV tray, like yeah. rolling uh, art things. Yeah. It was just like taken from a classroom at the last minute. <laughs> right? that, that troop leader with his whole candle fin, my mm. note for him was, <laughs> masculinity so aggressive that it starts to break through into homoeroticism. <laughs> Which you get out of, like, Top Gun as well, right? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. at a certain point, you've gone, just, you've, you've cranked it up to 10, to 11, out, you're back at 1. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just, a tie is not the same as a loss. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yes, perfect. Perfectly cast, perfectly executed. Like, and that's, I think that's maybe the, the reason why it, the father stuff not paying off sucks because they, they had two seconds with that character and nailed it. You know, like, yeah. you knew who that dude was. And the, also the coach team. earlier. Oh, oh yeah. the coach too. Uh, untraceable cash money. Um, but the, the Dr. Keen with the with Fanny video games and the dog has glamour shots from the vet hospital. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my, my God. God. Where it's like, sprawled across the bed like a couch with three cats and they took this picture <laughs> oh my gosh perfect um there was a neat sense of the passage of time with our narration right because first couple times we jump back to them they're just still sitting in the bedroom playing games or whatever right but then they jump back during the um yeah the 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 prizes and then the sister gives them the remote like oh she gave you the remote they have a blanket fort just 
Boom. Mm. Suddenly, the whole room is rearranged, and the sun is lower. And it's like, oh, yeah, like they're, they're spending some time. That was nice. Uh, it didn't necessarily add to the film. I wouldn't have noticed if it wasn't there, but I noticed that it was there and went, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, neat. Uh, similarly, the encyclopedia line it was like wanting more school. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. And, perfect. and yeah, the world, you guys remember the world books? Like, I, I feel like I used yeah. those in school, like as, as part of research papers. Like I, it was, My that parents bought an right encyclopedia back. set that came with the books and all the encyclopedias on CD-ROMs so that it was future-proofed. Yes. <laughs> right? And to be fair, if it had been furnished a little earlier, it probably would have paid off. But instead, by the time I got to, to like the level of schooling where you actually need the knowledge that encyclopedias have as opposed to just a dictionary, it was it was moot, right? Mm-hmm. The tool had changed and it was all digital. And, and I remember getting thing. like in carta encyclopedia and having a computer way too old to try and run it you like open one video Microsoft file and it was just like ah, yeah. oh, it was like painful waiting for it to load up even though it was like hard like you would spend the day and a half downloading the thing and then you yeah. try to play one thing and it just crashed everything out that was <laughs> to bait and switch with encyclopedias was the the cruelest fucking thing anybody could ever do like that ah, i felt that so hard it was great i loved chekhov's ice patch <laughs> i wrote that exact thing scott that's exactly <laughs> yes absolutely sorry he slips on that in like the first 30 seconds of the movie yeah and they keep coming back to it the fact that, that it's was the very same, well done same spot and the same yeah. thing even says on the way in he's like careful it's slippery there like that was that was well done so mm-hmm. many yeah. Yeah. The fact like, that it, it burst into flames. Yes. Run over to because of course it didn't. But in his mind, <laughs> right. it might as well have. My, yeah. Oh. I think my other little like foreshadow with reveal is him marrying the the, the woman who had the same boots as him. Boots? Like how yeah. cute that was. You know, speaking <laughs> was of great. characters, they nailed in a few seconds. That that was perfect, right? Because and I, it's a it's a it's a sum of the way they treated the rest of the the crowd as background and how they focused on you know drew the eye right Hmm. that when she says to him oh i have the same ones and you can tell she like thinks it's really sweet and likes it and like sudden new friend but also she understands it's embarrassing for him and kind of throws her you know like something about the way they staged that the body language the lighting you just she was important right and i spent the film thinking that she was going to come up later as a kid in the plot so instead when it's like oh yeah you know are you married her? Like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, it's so totally irrelevant to the story about this particular Christmas, right? So we don't bother. But it's another piece of the larger story of his childhood. And that's how real life works, right? I just, oh, that was wonderful. I loved that moment. I love, too, that at that moment, the mom still doubles down on, like, you know, they were this is why I got you those boots. Like, not like, you're right, I shouldn't have bought you girl boots. I should have realized that may have, you know, fucked you up as a child. But it's yeah. like, nope, yeah. <laughs> that that was great mom writing too I yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly <laughs> how that covers five and i thought they looked cute <laughs> <laughs> i do like the the wife chiding him about his like makes you i'm i hope you told that part of the story too because <laughs> i would never yeah. skip that part of the story of course yeah that line about it was like getting more school is definitely like, a favorite line more like school so good <laughs> You know the whole the whole visual language of the film is brilliantly done. 
right? The when he goes to the old folks' home, and the old people look they look sort of repulsive, but not they still look pretty realistic, right? Like I've known old people who look like that, and it's not it's not a caricature. It's just across the spectrum of the way people look, they did them all up to look on the one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and then they staged them all so that you catch as many faces in one sweep as you can. It just and it worked because it felt somehow like acknowledging how uncomfortable old people can be the children without just sort of shoving them into offensive caricature, right? Of just, oh, everything is weird noises and fluids. Like, it just kind of looks like like those shots you see when they go, oh, here's this person without makeup today, and they look different, you know? It felt like they did that with all the old people. Like, don't put any makeup on this morning, guys. Just show up, <laughs> right? Like, just roll out of bed, come to the shoot. Oh, okay, you know? Um, and the the first sweep and then who they picked out of each section you know and the different interactions he had with each of them right the teeth <laughs> what a great <laughs> moment where your retainer kid right oh I, I love the one too where she's just like telling him some like nonsense store and he's just he's trying to close the deal and she's just like and then, and then it was just 1933 like, oh, being yeah. 100 years after 1833 <laughs> <laughs> it's like yep that's that's yeah. it yep you've and got a story like, there, there's a fourth wall break where i thought he was just <laughs> sleeping but he says it's what he would have wanted like it's a dead man that he's signing. <laughs> uh, and the teacher, too. The classroom teacher, right? Because yeah. the first... I mean, I, I have to maybe look again, but isn't the first we see of her actually when they're explaining how the rich kid is insane and he knocks the chalk out of her hands and calls her <laughs> stupid? Oh, it might have been. Well, I don't remember if it's the same teacher. But otherwise, all we see is this teacher who's working when she's horribly sick, which is... You know, she's as much a victim of that as the children are, right? Um, but she, she seems to have no patience for anything. She's really strict about the rules. But then, like, she gets puked on right in her neck, right on the bus. <laughs> That's why she's sick all the time. She's a teacher at a public yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or they are testing, testing. You tested on this poor kid. and revealed that this much food will get us nine minutes of vomit. Like, oh my god, he deserves the Nintendo. Give it to him, right? He he suffered for it. I needed projectile vomiting in a Christmas movie more than I need like knew I needed. Like I was just like, oh, how gross and such a great tension break. It was the corny level of projectile vomiting too, where it's just you can tell it's like a hose hooked up. Yeah, exactly. And then when they they're getting back on the bus and they they reverse the shot, there's like a pool. Like, you know, it's not like they forgot that, oh, yeah, this should be here. They, that was a lie. They put it there. They were devoted to that. The SpaghettiOs. Like, they go and get SpaghettiOs. Yeah. It's what it, yeah. Is that where they got the product placement money for this movie? Is, like, one of the things that's still around in similar packaging from the 80s? I mean, but that's the correct reaction to SpaghettiOs, though. Just to expel them from your body as quickly as possible. I'm sorry. America was built on SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I think my body would more gracefully handle packing peanuts than SpaghettiOs. <laughs> Tune in next month, listeners, when we put that test to work. <laughs> but um, it's funny because there were a lot of jokes that I mentioned earlier and negatively, right? The Dewey Decimal joke, right? That felt sort of wink and nod. And some of them worked really well, like the helmet bit, right? Did you? Oh, I rode on my bike and did you wear a helmet? Well, of course I wore We always wore a helmet, you know? Like, 
that is that was partially good. 80s, but it's also partially just how parents are. Where they're like, oh, when I was your age, I totally did the thing. Ha ha, right? That was brilliant, right? And the, the rich uncle who in Japan, every kid had a my uncle works at Nintendo and he told me the secret about this game. Well, my uncle works at Sony and he told me the secret about this game. Well, my uncle, every kid had an uncle, right? So when this kid just suddenly has a crazy rich uncle who lives in Japan, I was like, perfect. Of course he fucking does. Like, why not? Right? But it's so funny because, like, they have the kid that lies about stuff like that. So I thought, like, time. it was yeah. crazy that it came back that it was like, oh, you actually have an uncle living in Japan. <laughs> God, that was the ultimate tease. I've got customers around, you know, like your mom. And then later he shows up and he's actually selling the wreath to his mom. (sighs) Like, for real. I wrote there. I wrote, this kid is the next too old kid, right? The bully. Like, (laughs) But instead of being the bully, he's going to be the 25-year-old who's still in high school and Bane's the moms who got knocked up at 16. (laughs) Like, you come home from school and he's in there with your mom. Like, uh, like, don't you have class tomorrow? Don't you? <laughs> the light bright. Oh, that was yeah, so. Yeah. That was so mean. I should have I was seen excited it to get a light bright as a kid. Those were fun. Honestly, I had one, but yeah, yeah a good time. I thought Except it was after cool. you like, well, after you use the thing when you've already punched all the holes in the paper, and then it's like <sighs> shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was cool, the, the universal reveal of, like, the hidden mystery present that falls out of nowhere. And I thought it was going to be the saving grace, right? Like, I thought everything would be exhausted. And then the the rich uncle who's living in Japan sends a Nintendo. And then, uh, but I'm glad it was a light bright. I'm glad it wasn't just, like, an easy answer for, oh, of course, he still gets the thing yeah, that he wants. rich uncle. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, they had, done, they had ridden so hard that the parents were like no not in my house like i they, they wouldn't like i i like that they kept that logic because at that point i was yeah. like how are they gonna deus ex machina this if they're so against it like that i zeke when you were talking about like it, it could have been anything from the 80s like i, I mm-hmm. because they wrote it so hard about like the protests and the getting it banned thing but like it, that's true i don't know that there was anything else but Maybe that, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah. that That's kind of where, but like, I don't know. It, it is very low on the video game content. Like, even when he's like, I want to play Joust. The first thing he wants to play is Joust. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of which, I was, I was waiting. Good taste. Oh I my gosh. that was going to yeah, be your right? favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. Such great taste, right? Joust, Super Mario Bros, Defender. Like, yes, Ace is all there. And then the, game, the machine is like, well, I have Rampage. Also good. Rampage is great. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I think it dealing with IP, like, what they could have, and that they, I think that's probably part of But, yeah, to make it about video games and have it be, like, it was more about game accessories than anything else, you know, mm-hmm. like the Power Glove being so, so yeah. prominent. And the desire of wanting a game because somebody else you know has the game. And yeah. 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 I like when he makes a comment about, like, you know, being in, in, in my mom's basement making Zelda light brights or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that that's the one little shout out we got to my game it was like, oh, they do mention Zelda. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> so Joust and then Zelda. And then my favorite scene where I lost my shit. Um, I'm a sports card collector. So they were going through, I already loved the character who like collected cards and then they sat down, they were opening packs together and then they're just naming different players they're getting. 
and they casually throw out Billy Ripken. And I was like, oh shit. I turned Natalie was watching and he's like, oh shit, did they get a Billy Ripken fuck face card? And then the very next lines are like, oh, is this the error card? Like it says blank face. And I was like, it's a fuck face card. <laughs> because that's honest, it's truly still one of the coolest cards. Like his bat knob says fuck face on it. And uh, there's that version and there's like a blacked out version. And then there's a blurred version. And the fuckface version, which they got, is worth a lot of money then and now. And so they were able to parlay that into uh, buying a Nintendo that gets, gets hit by a bus. So, yeah, just the perfect Easter egg for me. It's as if I wrote it myself. Uh, you couldn't have placed it more 80s and more card-specific. As soon as they said Billy Rifkin, I lost my shit. So I'm I, that alone great christmas movie <laughs> yeah. yeah i feel like i had i had a vague recollection of that when that part came yeah. up like not so much where i like knew what it said but i was like oh yeah i kind of remember there being something with a swear and i was like okay that's cool <laughs> yeah i love that the binder like them yeah. putting the card it broke my heart yeah. that they were selling baseball cards to get the thing like that was right. like but I, I, I was I was sad to not watch it on the couch next to you because <laughs> no one saw that. Like none of us knew that was coming, and it's such a perfect Zeke specific thing. And it's, oh, it's so good. Deus Ex Billy Ripken fuckface card. Yes. <laughs> Just enough money to buy the system. If they hold that and grade it, they can buy a PS5 in today's economy. So <laughs> I mean, never that's ends. Like, I think they're technically cheaper nowadays. Obviously, on paper the the number is higher, right? But given economic changes, mm-hmm. I think consoles are cheaper these days. Yeah. Um, Dude, yeah. So that's something that's crazy about Oregon. All of the Goodwills have Nintendo Wii's. Just stacks of oh, wow. them. Like mm-hmm. you could get five of them. I'm like, it's crazy. The, the fact that that in my lifetime that was the thing to get that yeah. holiday season, and then several holidays season after it because Nintendo takes a long time to put shit up. We yeah, like two, I'll take a while. Two or three, yeah. and they don't work right. So we should just bring them on. Like, buy a snack. Yeah. <laughs> like one of these will work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the old the NES would have been two or three hundred dollars at the time. Oh wow! On paper. Hmm. Um, that... I'm not 100 percent certain, but because I know the original PlayStation debuted at 300, and they were undercutting Sega by a hundred bucks, Sega or Nintendo or somebody. Mm. Wow. Right? The, le- the legend there was that. Um, it was at E3, and the one company, Sega and whoever it was, showed up and was like, oh yeah, so it actually isn't releasing later this year. It's on shelves right now. Boom, with a surprise launch, right? Already was going to kind of be troublesome because a lot of people weren't ready to suddenly spend a ton of money on something in the middle of the year when they'd been saving for the holidays, right? So, so the one Sony executive, his whole speech turned into a single word. He walked up to the, the podium and just said, $2.99. And walked off again. It was a hundred bucks less. That was his whole speech, and it just crushed them. Um, so anyway, yes, we're to a PlayStation three hundred bucks. I, you know, what a baller thing to like. You know, <laughs> Our whole marketing uh, campaign is we're a hundred dollars cheaper than the other guy, and that's all um, we're saying. <laughs> but uh, you know, considering nowadays they're rather rather more, right? It it feels maybe like two or three hundred would be appropriate for an NES, right? I don't know. Yeah. I know my parents no. got it used. The one I had was used at, when I got it in like 95. Sure. You know, so like, yeah. Now, I, like, this made me want to go out and get an NES. I have no need for one. I should just boot up our Wii that has those 
archived games on it and played Super Mario and like just yeah. do do the thing to play the thing. But it just for some reason it's just it's the most satisfying box and controllers. I don't know why it this it's movie did just, that for me too. When they put the cassette in the car, mm-hmm. boom. I was like yeah. technology used to be so tactile. Yeah. A little and steely Dan on the cassette player. It, right. <laughs> and you got the noises and the pushes and the feed. It was, oh, it was great. Touch screen's got nothing, right? No fucking and, kidding. And, <laughs> you know, I can, you can emulate the NES on your PC right now. You could probably do it in five minutes, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. I, I love the little, there's a little Home Alone reference that I was thinking that the the talking console very much oh, yeah. reminded me of the, uh, the oven, gr- the furnace grate at the basement of the Home Alone house. <laughs> that that was another thing that they really captured well is like when you when you played video games in public for some like like on a console or at a, a mcdonald's they would have or in yeah, target or, yeah. or walmart they had like the it <laughs> to protect the cord for the n64 they had this block of stuff to and it was always pointed down towards the little kids so if you were a little taller <laughs> you had to like be on your knees to play it like I feel like there was a swath of those in McDonald's for like five years, and then they just got beat to shit, man. The GameCubes for the controllers are always like have their outer shell stripped. Right. Outer layers. Yeah, that brought me back to I have one of those memories that's hazy enough around it, but clear enough that you remember a very specific thing. And like very hazy, I stayed at my auntie's house and we went shopping i think it was around christmas time like i just spent the night we hung out um went to the mall don't remember a lot about that but i do remember the very first time i saw a playstation and it had spyro on it and i played the spyro demo yeah and i was like holy shit what is this (laughs) and just yeah so i had written that down too about those public displays where you could play uh i thought that was a perfect scene too like it calling to him in the mall uh, if I had a sister, I would probably have lost my sister going to play the game. Don't fault him for that. Fault the dad for yelling at him so much for losing a sister. <laughs> Who cares? But yeah, that was that was perfect. It's all like it was perfect because that it felt like time went super fast and nothing else existed. Yeah, and because it was just like, oh, we went shopping, we went to do chores, and I get to play video games. Nobody tell nobody. Don't like just yeah. fucking. Like that's how I played Banjo Kazooie for the first time. Was like on one of those things. Like it lived in my head as as that one bit of the level for ever after that until I bought it and realized it's really irritating to play sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> my demo is actually from middle school. My like public display memory. At this point, I already owned a, a PS2. At that point, and um, I was in a Fry's Electronics with my dad. Fries, fries yeah, is amazing. It's like basically a Costco, except they only sell electronic stores, right? The we get excited about Micro Center in the size in... of a Costco, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Micro Center is peanuts compared to fries, and they have multiple locations. In, like, it's and they had a, uh, a Guitar Hero setup, actually, is what it was. Oh man, because Dad was interested. He was sort of interested in video games, but he had trouble with the controllers, right? He knew I loved video games. He loved music. We picked that up. We played Smoke on the Water right there in that store. <laughs> and 
I I was honestly like genuinely shocked when a shipment of that game didn't show up in the next month because he was he loved it so much. And then Guitar Hero Two showed up instead. Which what happened. But you know, um, which which was you know the the better game anyway, the sequel, right? They improved upon it quite a bit. And we played through that whole playlist together, and he told me about all the music, right? The songs, the bands, where they came from. Uh, That's the coolest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I. Because I was thinking, I don't know that I have any earlier demo memories. I mean, I played demos in places. The the GameCubes and the McDonald's, the whatever, right? But I think my actual video game exposure came differently. So by the time I saw public demos, it was already playing at home. So, like, a few blocks from my house in Aurora, there was a uh, Pizza Hut buffet. Greatest thing America's ever come up with is Pizza Hut 2. And in the, the, there was, like, a claw machine... And there was an arcade cabinet of Gauntlet Legends, which to this day is is my like it's so cool. Like it's I love it on it's on par with Joust in terms of my fandom of it. But like it, it when you're going to get pizza and you're going to be there for a while, like my parents were like, no, we're spending money on the food here. You don't get to play the thing. So, but I just remember like the loading screen and going over and just watching like the demos start rolling where it's like examples of the gameplay like i don't know like video games were kind of mythical when you were little i felt like because if you didn't have them you would hear other people talk about them and then see like i had a friend when we lived in hayward who had mortal Kombat, and there was no way i was oh, ever going to wow. get mortal Kombat, right because no, my, my yeah like and it had the blood and everything and i i yeah. went up and he had like a loft bed and his brother i went over to spend the night and i was like this is you just have this? And they were super casual. Like, they didn't rub it in my face or anything. Like, no, you want to play Mortal Kombat? I was like, fucking yes. And I have never been good at that since then. But, like, it just, like, it it was cool. Kind of like these little... I, I, I have a pretty bad... Eh, should I, I'm going to tell that story. Um, so, I again, in Hayward, I had a friend... And it's interesting wondering what the actual repercussions of this were afterwards. As a little kid, I didn't really think about it. When I was there, we were playing video games, and it was like, play until you die, right? Like, that's the best way to play, like, Mario or something we were playing. And I just wouldn't... I, I held out for the bathroom way too long and just went. And it's like the first night I hang, hung out with this kid. I remember having to go home, like, wearing his boxers, like, that were tiny. So it was like a really weird... But, like... That was the level of fervor around video games. It's like, I can't go physically to the bathroom because I'm going to, like, miss out on it. Like, it was just that, I don't know. It has a very strong thing in my... I mean, Zeke, you saw how excited I was when I got the uh, Xbox 360 seven years too late. I was just so excited. Like, I don't know. It it brought up those memories, too. <laughs> we went blue or yellow on the podcast. <laughs> didn't mean to. That's right about what you said, the Allure, Coin-op arcades were still around when I was growing up, at least for a while. They did eventually die out, right? And there was something about that, about that screen, about the actual the color of it, the warmth, and and then the the role, the title role, and the demo, right? That just like some of my earlier, I still have downstairs a couple of PlayStation One games that are just arcade ports. And if you put them in the disc and don't push start, the start menu, they'll run through those arcade roles. And I used to just sit there and watch them sometimes like before actually playing the game because they were just so it was something about the anticipation right it enticed you it brought you in it was uh, it was foreplay right it was foreplay <laughs> the game now you know you put the game in and 
the only foreplay you get is a mandatory four hour update, right? <laughs> <laughs> the truth of that oh my god another favorite video game foreplay is you go you buy the physical case disc everything Mm -hmm. uh you open it up and you just read the instruction booklet on the way home manual yeah the manual was great like and sometimes it would have art in there and sometimes it would have special moves and sometimes it would have a backstory or a map um the smash brothers manual and then the the super mario 64 yeah. manual with all of the little animate like he you would see mario do the action as you were like seeing the button comment oh the sickest right. thing ever so cool and it's That's not the, the yeah it's not the same like you said uh, you know even just uh, tim blockbuster right roll in there yeah. Yeah. rent a game for the weekend you have it for three days bam you pop it in you're playing immediately there's something lost about that when you have to you know, I know there's like different video game rental things um, that are out there, but I, I, it's just not the same because you have to go in, you have to load it for three hours. Then there's an update of course. And then, yeah, yeah, it's just not the same as like plug and play or read the booklet on the way home. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things like with the, the booklet for like the original Zelda and it has sort of like the backstory and mythology. And I remember just like, when I wasn't playing, just reading that over and over again, like not even just, you know, for the sense of like learning better gameplay, but just to be like, like, there's a story behind this. Like, this isn't just like, yeah. Oh, you're just punching and kicking people for no reason. It's like, you know, this is what happened in his 16th birthday. The tattoo appeared on his hand. Cause he's the chosen one. It's like, Holy shit. You know, like this is next level, you know? Yeah. I think I have, somewhere at my mom's house i think we still have like all of the old instruction manuals from the games we have i think so that's amazing i know i kept mine for a long time and then just ended up getting recycled like i had the hey you pikachu thing which basically just told you to hold z and fill the bubble with speech and maybe pikachu would listen to you like (laughs) (laughs) talk about an underwhelming accessory to a nintendo product Power glove and the Pikachu microphone was about on par. <laughs> so yeah, now that we've oh, oh, wait, go, go, go. no 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 go say, now that we've talked about it, I, I I still do stand by what I said that I think the thing is pretty interchangeable, right? Like, let's say this was a movie about a GI Joe or about a that's Charizard cool. card or about oh. a, you know a big comic book, right? Like something that's yeah. important to a kid. I feel like you could swap that out. I feel like you could call it Pokemon Christmas. I feel like you could call it comic book Christmas. I do think that's still true. I do think that the story itself didn't necessarily hinge on it, but I do, I think this has been a great conversation to hear about all the different ways that we've each interacted with video games, like video games that we really wanted to have in our lives, video games that we shared with friends, video games that, you know, our family had that we wanted. Um, And I think, you know, you can't make a movie like this that that is one size fits all that has the gift um, to pull from another favorite Christmas movie. Like, uh, you know, gifts at the end are the, the the dating game and a weenie whistle, right? Like everybody has a different thing that they wanted. You're not going to make a weenie whistle Christmas. Um, but the fact that the... <laughs> it's a very different movie. <laughs> but I think it's the film's better need. for it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Weenie Whistle, it's got to get the real Weenie Whistle Santa Claus reference. Um, But I, I I don't know. I, now that we've talked about it, I think that this movie does mean more to me because it is, it does reflect a lot of my childhood and like 
playing games at an arcade or playing games at a friend's house that you really want. And I think, I don't know, there were aspects about the parent-child relationship that I didn't like in this one. But I think one thing for me that did resonate is, um, you know, it's interesting because I didn't come from a household with a lot of money, but like I look back and I did get an N64 from like my uncle, like my parents' friend, but we called him an uncle. And then like, I know my parents got me a Game Boy Color a few years later and we didn't, you know, we weren't the rich kid in the story, but we had, they, they, they found a way to find what was important to me and to get that for me. Um, I don't know. And so like, that's really cool. So my gateway into it is different and talking to the three of you, each of our gateways into video games is different, but I do like that as a common component for this story. And I think that communal aspect of everyone playing together, everyone finding a way to pool their resources as kids to go on that mission, to get the game, um, I think does make it a really fun, really heartwarming, special Christmas movie. Yeah, I agree. Cause it can be about whatever your thing was. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Maybe oh, gosh, maybe we... the the meaning of Christmas was the player two all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna. We didn't really do favorite seeds like yeah, formally. Yeah, I just I, wanted to I, say I, I, I loved that the second like the dad is using the power sander. Two seconds after he opened it up, like for <laughs> some like great. that that was Let just the guy great. Use his toy for goodness' sake. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved that instant switch. It was just like. You got it for me. What did you expect? <laughs> As they're trying to talk over it, the mom's having a nice heartfelt conversation, just sanding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, like off of what Zeke was saying, I feel like, I think it's, it works with video games being, I think they're a little more universal than other things. Like you're right. It could be about like tickle me Elmo, whatever else. But I think the difference is that video games, I think, have been a part of maybe so many more people's lives because they've been, you know, generational. You know, it may not be the NES for everybody, yeah. but some video game system was coming out when everybody was a kid and and wanted it, you know, and, um, you know, maybe not to that same degree. And I think that's one of the things, too, for me. I mean, this was exactly my time period, too. I think they said, what was it like? I think they said it was 88. Yeah. And he's like, I was 11. Like I was 10 in 1988. So this was like exactly me. Whereas like, yeah, like if you kind of more grew up in the nineties, like, and, and grew up with the, the later evolutions, you know, and again, you know, we had video games before, but this was different. Like this was like probably the first good video game system, you know, whereas like, you know, generations after that it's like oh we've gotten we get the better video game system but to sort of like this this idea was still i feel like really new even though there were other systems so i think i think that's part of it too like for me it hits harder because it's the nes specifically but i think yeah if you kind of ask more people i feel like probably a good majority of people will have some experience with some video game system for Christmas, not necessarily NES, you know? Um, and yeah, beyond that, you could, you could swap it out for whatever your thing was. But I mean, I think, you know, especially like when we compare it to a Christmas story, like who has an experience wanting a BB gun, you know, 
Mm. probably not that many kids, but like, but like some video game system, you know? And, um, you know, I think that, I think that's what makes it a little bit more universal, not completely universal. Cause I'm sure there are a ton of people who aren't involved in video games, you know? Um, you know, the same way if I'm sure if they made like a, you know, sports Jersey Christmas, like this is my favorite <laughs> sports, but I'm sure, you know, a ton of people, like I wouldn't relate to that at all, you know? And, you know, sure. I could kind of, you know, try to see it from my perspective, but I'm sure I wouldn't get a lot of the references because it's geared towards sports as opposed to geared towards video games. Um, you know, and I think also there's probably, uh, you know, uh, you know, especially nowadays, I think, you know, there are a decent amount of women into video games too, where, so it's not necessarily, it, it's, it's definitely a less gendered thing nowadays than, you know, back then, you know, there was the one girl who wanted to play video games, but nowadays, I mean, I don't know what the exact statistics are, but I feel like that was the thing growing up too, is there were the boy toys and the girl toys that came out every Christmas. And nowadays, like, I wonder, yeah, like how many, how many of it is just like, yeah, this is what boys and girls want or the newest video game thing, you know? So I think, I think that's helpful too, is that even though, there were mostly boys in this, I think probably because in the eighties, it was probably still mostly boys who were playing video games. Um, you know, cause I think that was the thing too. Like we got, when we got our NES, it was for the family, but I definitely played it more than my two sisters did, you know, but like, you know, nowadays I'm sure there, you know, are, you know, many, many more girls who are playing video games and, and getting, you know, their first video game system when they're little kids, you know, and, and so I think it's, you know, and I mean, you could probably say the same for a lot of stuff too. Like, you know, there are girls who are into sports who maybe, you know, even though I'm not into sports, there could be a little girl watching this film about, Oh, I want that football Jersey too. Cause I really like this player or whatever it is. Sports people like to buy for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be good for you? <laughs> I know you don't drink, sorry. <laughs> but but yes, yeah, so I think I think that was one of the things that you know, uh, you know, and, and we talked early on about this being compared to other films. I think that was that was my first thought was like this is obviously based on a Christmas story, but it's for my generation, you know, and, and, and yes, also the generations after, but I think more specifically for my generation, you know, again, because I'm exactly that age. And I think that, you know, when I was a kid watching a Christmas story, like that's part of it because that was something I watched as a kid, but wasn't something I related to because, I mean, that was even, I think before my dad's time, you know, when that takes place, I don't think my dad was even, you know, could relate to that as like, oh yeah, I wanted a BB gun too. I mean, you know, there were things he wanted, but, but with this to be like, yeah, these are, these are my people, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But yeah, I'm interested to see what's going to happen when they do the next remake for like, you know, the nineties or two thousands kids about what it was they were interested in at the time and kind of do that revamp and be like, yeah, this is, you know, for, for the group of people who was like, this is exactly me, you know, that type of thing. Oh, that's going to be a dreadlock nightmare. Be a good, a good target for that actually. Ooh. Cause yeah. Christmas story is pretty old, right? It's at, at least the fifties, isn't it? So mm-hmm. you get a good 30 year jump and, we're talking about the 90s we're talking about just kind of the next iteration of stuff from the 80s right right <laughs> like oh it should be about a zoom into Zeke. 90s sports tens you know? please make a zoom movie just for me a zoom <laughs> sports jersey christmas is all i want <laughs> what's oh, the, like, i wish that most... could be the title of the episode <laughs> what's the most legendary sports failure from around the time of the zoom right like the most heartbreaking crushing defeat any team faced in that he has it 
Oh boy. Like a game well, or a person? When was the Bill Buckner? Uh, was that in the game or a world championship? <laughs> mm-hmm. even the point being that that, that team is the team that our characters are going to support when they get a Zoom instead of an iPod. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that year can be doubly devastating to them, right? Oh, he boy. had a Zoom like, for a long time. He turned out all right. <laughs> I, I made it. Yeah. I love mine. That shit was fucking fantastic. I'm still an Android man. I won't hear any Apple bullshit. I love my Zoom. <laughs> I, I will go to my grave with my Zoom. <laughs> this year, with my music, and it's been a long, agonizing process, but it's been mm. worth every minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I've been watching the uh, um, Simpsons Halloween episodes, and I just watched oh, one where nice. there was like the mini black hole, and yes. everyone's throwing their trash in, and then they go in like, "Oh, the best media player, the Zoom, Zoom, <laughs> Zoom, Zoom, Zoom." I love that the Zoom has been the fucking punching bag for thirty years. <laughs> its legacy will outlast <laughs> because everyone talks about the Zoom as better in every way than the iPod, but no one bought it. And I'm sure there are people out there who like are just going, why how did you all know this? How is this common knowledge and you didn't buy it anyway? <laughs> like like someone who just had an aneurysm after the five hundredth time they heard somebody say that to their friend. There was a weird dude in a turtleneck and he told us to buy the other one. That's what happened. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very quick tangent and you can cut it from this episode never (laughs) i don't know they basically announced that the next adam sandler movie is going to be an adam sandler movie about the world of collecting high-end sports cards amazing and like i feel like the universe is just coming together to make perfect things for me like i thought i maxed out with adam sandler plus sports betting, but now I get Adam Sandler plus sports cards. Oh, right. I was thinking I got, about Uncut yeah. Gems going, yeah. I, have, yeah, it's like I need uncut- to see this. <laughs> exactly. I don't know nothing about sports cards, but I need to see it. So you can expect that to be on Movie Mumble in like two and a half years because I'm bringing oh, right. it. <laughs> I'm for Klimt. They're in, what what right. in the fuck? <laughs> I, we live in a simulation and it's starting to go in my favor. I, I got moon, like... I got my turn with Moon Knight. <laughs> it's coming to you, Adam. Sit. Holy crap. Yeah. That's like I, scanned the inside of your brain. Yeah, what the hell? That's, that's too close. We also got uh, Thursday Night Football plus Taylor Swift last week. So I'm just living my best life. It's great out here. Oh, I also saw that the, the uh, Broncos might be heading uh, across the <laughs> pond there. <laughs> yeah, Sunday. That's not a good thing, though. <laughs> anyway. Sorry to take us there. No, mashups. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's a little uh, uh, coming soon to move people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever that comes out, that's the pick, listeners. Yeah. yeah. I, I set, wanna... set the reminder on your zooms, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the zoom is what got me there. So sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know whether you want to stick with favorite scenes, Joel, or. No, I just enjoy it. Sorry, I, I feel like no, I, I interrupt it's, with it's segments fine. when we're having a perfectly nice conversation. <laughs> That's, the point. That's the point of the, the podcast is to talk it through, to do our cool stuff. I mean, I, I wouldn't even have an answer for you, to be honest. It would just be every single moment that older kid is on screen. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's my favorite right he was the right amount of greasy you know what i mean like yeah. the jacket was right the shirt was right the length of the hair was right the youth in the face i i just it was perfect i it's great call down to central casting like we need a high school bully from the 80s say no more <laughs> done it's like they took the two bullies from hocus pocus put them together and then ah. went back in time 10 years it's exactly yeah. what it was <laughs> 
<laughs> so oh sorry something that this made me think of was like the big grand shopping trip for christmas which mm-hmm. like we like my parents like we would do my mom would go with my sister and then my dad and i would go and we would get stuff for the other parents and the other sibling and then we would get together and have like lunch and then switch parents and then go and do the same thing like for some like it because it was like chicago and like shopping in chicago at christmas is like a christmas vacation thing too like it just it the energy of shopping at christmas also as a kid because you don't have the responsibility of getting the stuff it's just Mm -hmm. oh i get to go to the mall but like how the mom has like no bathroom breaks she has it down like the coupons she's got like i don't know it just felt I felt a lot of that. It felt like my childhood in terms of shopping. <laughs> that was cool. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's interesting too to to sort of draw another Christmas story parallel that you know Christmas story opens with the the display in the window, right? Because that's when the kids learn what's cool this year, right? Yeah. But by the eighties, yeah. they're learning it from the other kids. You know, what's in the window is irrelevant. Going to the mall is a chance to get your hands on and see the cool things you've already heard about, not a chance to learn what's cool this year. Yeah, just a, it's a neat little cultural shift. That is, that's a cool progression. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's fucked up because it's like consumerism one a little bit too. Is <laughs> that like they don't even need to advertise anymore? The kids will tell each other what's cool. <laughs> that's I, I remember like the wonder of that reveal in Christmas Story is so great. Like it. it and they kind of recapture it a bit in uh, Santa Claus, right? There's that great display, and you have the elves in, yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, they like with the mall, they kind of made the window display the store, too, too right? That was another moment where I wrote that they, the movie was really well made, because presumably they filmed that in a real mall somewhere. But all the camera angles they use, you could never tell, right? The, the, what few storefronts you do see are totally out of time. And it's like, I can't tell if they put up a fake storefront for the movie that looks like it's from the 80s, or if the mall still looks like that, because that's just what some mall stores look like, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and they did it very carefully. There are only a handful of hallway shots and plaza shots for the whole mall. And the rest of it takes place inside that anchor store, right? And like a couple of other entrances. And they just, they really thought that through. It didn't feel painfully obvious or cheesy, or where you get those really uncomfortable camera angles that like no one in their right mind ever shoots from, but they had no choice because there was a flat screen TV in the shot otherwise, right? Like they just they did that really well. Yeah. It was it was another point where I wrote, This movie is so well made, <laughs> right? See, the kid would not have gotten out of there with the N six or the uh, Nintendo if it had been the chopping mall mall. That would have been a whole <laughs> different scenario. <laughs> well then then it would have been Rob, several several, <laughs> hundred, several dozen Robs hunting everybody down. <laughs> and then after you died, they'd serve you your ice cold drink. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> I think another uh, the duck hunt dog would laugh at you on your corpse. <laughs> Maybe favorite scene, but I don't know. It's a scene, but anyway, a favorite thing that I loved that I think this group will also love. Uh, was the watch. Like we got the Casio watch, which Joel gave me for a birthday, and it's the Back to the Future watch, and it's it got a nice little close-up or two. Like the calculating I didn't watch. even process that. It was just I, so... I'm like, surprised you didn't. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know what the rich kid had on. He had two watches. He had two. I I was so confused about that. I didn't even know those swatches. Yeah, I was wondering. I I mean, I feel like they were probably swatches, right? Oh dang! But But no, that's the Casio. So cool. (laughs) Yeah, Casio calculator watch. Oh yeah, it's a tool watch. He used it as a tool for the. I love that it turned into a heist. That was the other thing. Is like, even though they're paying <laughs> for it, like they planned a heist. That's not fifteen. That's like three steps. That's not fifteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the whole thing with the kid on the payphone. Oh wow, someone actually believed me for once. <laughs> that was the making of a supervillain right there. <laughs> right. It's kind of a sad line, but you're also like, no, you shit kicker. You've been lying this whole time. Yeah. Uh, Did somebody say it, making stuff up? <laughs> it would have been fun though if there was a reveal at the end that he had been telling the truth, and like Tom Cruise or Brett, who else, whoever else shows up, that he kept like mentioning, "Oh, they need me for this thing," and we seem like, "Oh my God, you actually do know Tom Cruise, or whatever." <laughs> I did like how we were like, "Yes, that was a lie," but this isn't like he just yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't Im- impact his narration uh, validity at all. <laughs> Uh, is it time, Joel? It did very well. Very well, might be. It is. It is time for <laughs> another situational movie recommendation. Oh, it'd be fun to do like a Christmas jingle version of the situational. <laughs> I'm just gonna put fucking. I just won't add even bells, ask, Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna ask the composer to do it. I'll just add it over the top. That's the remix. Before we do situ- before we do situational for movies, I was going to see can we do situational for Christmas gifts and like we can either do video game specific or just generic. But I was curious to know like what is the gift that like you really really wanted and then got or and or what is the gift that you really really wanted and didn't get? What would your I'll, thing if there was a eight bit Christmas about you? What would the gift be? I'll go first because I've been thinking about this a lot as a result of the movie. Cause when, when I was a, a real shitty kid, so <laughs> there was one year where it was I, the big toy that year for boys was like He-Man and like the, you know, there was the, the castle gray skull or like the snake mountain was like Skeletor's palace. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think sometimes when I was a kid, like, yeah, like I would know what my sisters were getting and my sister of my two younger sisters at the time, my third sister hadn't been born yet. The older one, I knew she was getting like the My Little Pony castle because she was into My Little Ponies. And my other sister was getting the Glowworm treehouse because she was into Glowworms at the time. And I was like, I must be getting either Castle Grayskull or Snake Mountain. Like that's the equivalent thing to like what they're getting. So I had built it up in my head that that's what I was getting for Christmas so like my parents had me like go for some reason I should have known something was up. Cause like, you know, they, my sister's presents were under the tree. They opened them. They're like, Oh, Tim, for your present, you got to go wait. You know, that my, my mom took me into like, you know, my parents' bedroom and like dad has to bring it in from outside. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I don't understand why you just didn't wrap it like the others. And she walks me out and like, you know, covering my eyes and has me open my eyes. And my dad comes rolling in on a bike and my heart just like sank and I was just like visually deflated. And I was just like, you know, if, if my kid's mind, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and like, my dad was heartbroken. Cause like he was at, like he worked the night before at the fire station and he was putting it together while he was at work at the fire station. So excited. Like I'm going to give my son a brand new bike and he's going to love it. 
and like <laughs> at the time I didn't have the, the the thoughts and awareness to vocalize this, but what I should have said is like, dad, you know, I'm, I'm a fat kid. I don't want to go ride bikes outside. I want to stay inside and play with toys. Like, like our whole family, like we're, we're the fat kids. We don't, we don't do that. We don't go out and ride bikes, you know, like we, we sit inside and watch TV and play with toys, but like it, it, and it kind of became this like family joke where it was just like, you know, Oh yeah. And I think, yeah, for a few years after it's like, Oh, it's not like, it's not as bad as getting a bike for Christmas. Ha ha ha. It's like, so like, and it's, it's, it's messed up. Cause like watching things like, you know, like, um, uh, a Christmas story or even like this, you know, I mean, there were definitely echoes of that moment in this where it's like, I didn't get the gift I wanted, but, but it also didn't turn out that way. Cause it's like, I mean, sure. I ended up riding my bike eventually, but I, it wasn't something that I came to realize it was a much better thing. Cause that's the thing too, is like my, it was a little bit me, but also a little bit my, my parents, like it wasn't a thing where it's just like, all right, I'm just going to take my bike down the street. Like, I feel like most 10 year olds would just kind of go ride bikes. And that was a thing you did. Like we had to stay on my street, which was a dead end street. So it's like, what, what am I, you know, or like ride it around the backyard or you'd have to be like, Oh mom, I'm going to go ride bikes out front. So she kind of knew, you know, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to ride to this guy's house and this guy's house. We're going to go ride bikes together. And that wasn't until I was probably like maybe in my early teens that I started like leaving the neighborhood on my bike, you know? So like, that was part of it too, is it wasn't like this, you know, maybe a lot of kids are like, Oh, I have a bike. I have this sense of freedom. Now I can go where I want. It was like, no, I can go get exercise. Like when the kids said I got getting, it's like getting more school for, this was getting <laughs> exercise. Like I didn't get a thing that I could do stuff that I wanted with. It was like, I can go ride up and down my street in a circle if I want, but like, you know, and as a kid, you're, you're too shitty and, you know, to realize like, Oh, okay. I should kind of view this from my parents' perspective and how much my dad, but that was also part of it too. It wasn't like I was asking for a bike. Like, I don't think there was anything that would have given the inclination, but I think it was more like, Oh, it's like to my dad, I think it was like, it's a rite of passage. Like you're old enough to learn to ride a bike now. Um, you know, and then, you know, learning to ride a bike, that was also something I wasn't looking forward to. Cause I think at that point I had enough awareness to know like people fall off of bikes, you know? So it's like, not only have you gotten me exercise, you've, <laughs> Krista's looking at me cause I told her a story when I was a kid, when I was first starting to ride my bike past my neighborhood, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go to the park. There was a park like in our neighborhood, like, you know, and my bike was one of the ones that didn't have handbrakes. It had the thing we had to pedal backwards to stop it. And I was like riding and I kind of lost control because I wasn't used to riding enough where it's like, oh yeah, when you kind of get in trouble, oh, you just hit the brakes. That wasn't like a reaction of mine. And I ended up riding my bike into a pond. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, wow. When you like, pond, how did your laughter on the track? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, I mean, it wasn't super deep. It, it got deep. I mean, I was able to stop like once I hit the water, it wasn't like I was fully submerged, but like enough that like my legs, worse. yeah, my legs go, were like... in the water. <laughs> Is it like hit the bottom of the pond? Was it hard? Are we talking about like, no, no, no. Like it was, it's cause I mean, it was, it, it did have like a gradual sort of, so like I was kind like of a muddy in, slope. Yeah. I was in the process of stopping as I hit the water. So like my bike oh. and my legs were in the water. So I had to get off and like stand in and okay. pull my bike out. Um, and yeah, so that was my first time venturing out. Like, okay, I got this bike that I got. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm a big boy now, so I can ride it past my street. I'm gonna go to the park and like that fucked it all up. That has <laughs> such Calvin Hobbs energy. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> but like, how, you'll enjoy it. Just try it. And then something yeah. catastrophic happens. Yeah. It's like, nope, never again. Never yeah. again. <laughs> Nothing humbles you like a bike, like snafu like yeah. it's like you you when you're confident on a bike you're like you're tearing into it and it's just like yes i'm confident like i had we were on a, a, a family bike ride out by uh like the central library in aurora and i was being a shit kicker and like wanting to hit this tear real quick and i hit like it had rained and go- geese like to hang out around this pond by the thing so i hit this patch and i hydroplane and i skid on my side uh, right into a puddle that had collected full of goose leaving. Uh, and they had to ride home damp. <laughs> it smelled like oh. it just it just felt exact I felt seen by your also your submerged ending to a bike ride. Yeah. It wasn't an ending, it was a beginning. Like I just got was there. The- it was like, oh yeah, go to the park to hang out and I can go there because I can go on my bike. It's not gonna take you know, 20 minutes to walk there. And it's like, oh, sucks. So then I just sat there wet and I was like <laughs> determined to still have fun, but it didn't work. I was like, fuck this. I'm going home. So, and then remember. the opposite of that is when we did actually get the Nintendo, which was, like I said, it was, it was a few years after it came out, but like yeah, there's a picture of me at that Christmas and I had a pallet spreader at the time. So it was when I was in starting the process of braces. So I'm like holding like the, you know, the, the cartridge <laughs> and big ass fucking gap in my teeth. <laughs> We need that picture for the the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if my mom has it. Could take a picture. Of it. <laughs> Trying to rem- I don't remember a lot of ones like wanting. Like I always want stuff. Like I, I'm, I like stuff. So like, but I feel like if there was ever anything I didn't like, I they always got me something else I didn't expect that was so cool that I was like, oh shit! Like what? Like my dad got a, a keyboard one year, just like, and it had all of the cool like. Uh, sounds like orchestra hits and you could have it like go on every uh, note of the scale <laughs> so like th- that was that was great a great fun gift like in college my dad bought me a guitar which was really sick my mom one year unironically bought me a pair of crocs after it, me expressly tell i think she thought i was being like hyperbolic and like sarcastic that oh i, oh, I never want one though i was like seriously i don't want she bought the whole family crocs and it was like the last one, like I had been angling for some video game or something. And I picked up this box. And it was like the last one. I was like, oh, cool. Like, and my mom was like playing it up. Oh, I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to open up his fucking, and it's like Nate army green, nasty Crocs. And I'm uh, just, that, that probably was the most disappointing one in quotation marks. But like, I think the, the N64 that year was a big year. Cause I think that was one of the first years we were in the house in aurora so we'd moved from california and it was like one of the first years we were in some new house new game system was a big deal so i actually don't remember if mine is christmas related or not and which is kind of odd my birthday and christmas are a month apart but i they always happen to different rooms of the house right (laughs) so usually i have that memory of opening it in the one room or the other and i can tell you and that i didn't open this one which is probably why I don't remember. I watched the old Star Wars movies before I watched the prequels because Phantom Menace was announced and the parents went, yeah, you should. So we put the video cassettes in, right? And from the moment I saw the first movie, I was in love with the Y-Wing. <laughs> Not the X-Wing, of course. The Y-Wing, right? 
I saw and one I at Disney World, and it made like I wanted you there so bad. <laughs> I love those. I love those toys. So what I had been buying, collecting, basically, as Star Wars went on, was the ships, not the Lego, not models, which you know to children are just fragile toys you can't play with, right? But the toys, right? You could. The, they shot little plastic missiles and they they flew around, and not the stupid ones that transformed into fifteen things, because that's not true of the movie, right? I bought the real. I was proud of this. Right? I still have most of these. But the thing I could never get was a Y-Wing because, A, most of the vehicles that came out were from the new movie, right? They were from whatever prequel film had just come out. And then, B, they did reissue, not reissue, but make new and issue some of the older stuff, you know, like, oh, yeah, the kids are watching the old ones. The parents are still here, you know, but it was in much smaller quantities. And then it was like the Millennium Falcon and the X-Wing, you know, it was never the Y-Wing that shows up in you know, the end of the first movie and the two shots of episode six, right? <laughs> like, so I I wrote my whatever list it was for the Mr. Christmas or whatever, and there were some things on there, but the thing was the Y-Wing, and I knew it was never going to happen. Like, you know, you write that, that toy on there that's just not... And it's at the case, top. You put yeah. it at the top because you're like, this Be- is the one, but you know that... Because I just, they don't, it was like stores got five of them at a time, right? And then, and that was it. They sold out and it was never going to happen. And what happened was, a, I guess a week or two before the, I think this might've been a birthday gift, whatever it was, the event. My mom says to me, I'm kind of spoiling this here. She says, but I, I'm getting you your Y-Wing. I haven't been able to get one yet. And I don't think I'm going to have it on the day of, but I don't want you to open your gifts the day of and be really sad that the thing isn't there. I'm telling you, I'm going to get one. Right, well, I'm so sweet. Right, so uh, the day comes and goes. And I open my other gifts, and they're fine. They're little, little things, you know. Great. I was already like almost kind of sad that she was doing this. I was like, oh, maybe I'd rather you just give up on that and get me something else nice. Right. <laughs> like, uh... well, anyway, the, the upshot here is that what happened was when one day when I guess I didn't have an extra extracurricular activity, we drove around to every toy store in our town and the next town over and quote unquote town next to us as well. Concluding in our third Toys R Us of the night, we had not seen a single one yet. And she goes to the desk and she asks them about it. And they, they're like, well, we can call some of the other stores around here. <laughs> She's like, well, I've been to this one, this one. So they call one. I realize now as an adult that, it actually wasn't that far away. But as a kid driving to this store in some other town, racing the clock before they close yep. at 10 at night, at night, felt yep. like we were, we might as well have been driving to Las Vegas, right? I mean, oh boy, like this was minutes. And before, you know, when the other store called for us, they had one. It was the, they had exactly one left. No way. And, and the, you know, the guy hung up and he was like, oh, I don't know. Well, I guess they'll, hold it thing. they say they won't really hold it but if you can get there before they close they probably have it right so we we're raced over there and i mean yeah we walked in and they had it we bought it and we walked out with it that same day and i still remember exactly how i felt walking out of there with that thing in my hands and out of all the star wars vehicle toys i had which is a pretty sizable number of them that's my favorite and it's no longer my favorite because it's the y-wing it's my favorite because of that story right because of what my mom did for me. I know that's kind of a really selfish story. Like, that it all, oh, that's yeah. fucking amazing. She's all over Southern California to get me the toy I wanted. But just, like, it's, it, as I've grown older, it's become a representation of her love, you know? Yeah. That's a super nice story. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. 
So. God, your mom, like, I fell in love with your mom when you told the story about her correcting somebody about Harvey Dent and Two Face in the screening of fucking Dark Knight. And yeah, the fact that she, like, you told on me the that... Warner Brothers lot. Yes, she did it. I saw that movie on the Warner Brothers back lot in the theater. And so some of the people in there are, you know, they, they have connections, but they don't necessarily care about Batman. And, uh... Just your mom wiki slamming people in public and then taking you to go get Y-Wing, which, <laughs> Scott, I know you love it, but it is the least desirable of the ships. <laughs> and it's one of the things I like most about you is that you stand this ship. It makes me it. really happy. <laughs> The wishbone was, Y-Wing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a similar story with her and, and uh, my Mickey Mouse wristwatch for usual. Yes. Which I, I'll have to tell Love when we watch. do our like, watch collection, you know, one-off miniseries, right? For yes. Week or something. But, but yeah. So, so there you go. So I guess I, the more I think about it, the more I think it was my birthday. So it's not even a Christmas gift, but <laughs> it's the one. Yeah. Zeke, what about you? Um. Yeah. Let's see. I'll do the the one I didn't quite get first. Um, And in the grand scheme, you know, it's a pretty small one. Uh, Back when Madden was more than just a roster update and sports games were coming out with new things. um, I think it was Madden 2003 or 2004, but I really, really wanted it. Like that was the highlight thing on my list. Um, Everything else was like, whatever, but I do want that new Madden. Um, And it was for the PS2, right? And then so get there, get down to the last present, opening it up. And I, I'm feeling it. And I'm like, well, it's not Madden because I can tell from the, from the case and from the shape of the thing. So I open it up. It is Madden, but it's Madden for the PS one and not no! the PS two. And so I had to explain to my parents like, Oh no, like this is, you know, like this is kind of it, but they've not, they're not updating for the PS one anymore. It's, like all the updates that I'm interested in are the PS2 version. And so it only half counts, right? Cause they were like very sweet to get the thing that I asked for. And they tried, like they were doing their best in the world of video games that they didn't know and don't know a lot about. And they got the thing, like it was still Madden 2003, <laughs> just <laughs> not for a system where it like had all the updates. So I had to be like, and like, it was, it sucked because it was one of those where I opened it. And like, I was trying to pretend to be happy, but like in my head, I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to work. And so they're like, isn't that it? And I had to explain. Um, I think we went back and were able to, you know, exchange it and pay the difference or whatever. I like, I ponied up for that or whatever we did, but sure, yeah. But it was one of those where it was like kind of there, but quite not. (laughs) Um, On the flip side, I feel like I don't know. I, and I'm blanking. I don't know if I'm too focused in on video games because I know over the years there have been a ton of those like, oh no, what's that? There's one more thing behind the tree. Like, go check that out. And that's the thing I really wanted or just very thoughtful gifts that I would have not thought of myself that they got for me. Um, there's tons of those. I think for me, the couple of gifts that stand out are one's kind of gift. So the one that stands out the most is, um, like I said, when my uncle Sonny, my parents, good friend, and my parents pitched in together and got me the N64, like that was one where he just blew my mind, didn't think I was getting it, um, and just down the wormhole of video games I went. Um, the other one was more of just an experience, but I remember my mom was job hunting and she just had an interview downtown. So my dad and I went downtown to meet up with her uh, one evening, like leading up to Christmas. 
and we stopped at Burger King for dinner and got a couple of the, they got me a couple of the Pokemon like gold plated cards that come in the Pokeball. I still have them. Um, and like, we all went together and went Christmas shopping. Like my mom had just gotten this job. So it was very exciting. Um, and so that one was truly like, I got the thing, like I was a big Pokemon fan. So getting a a gold Pokemon card was really cool. Um, but it really, I think back about it and it was just the experience of like walking through snowy Christmassy lit up downtown Denver and Christmas shopping with my parents and stopping for dinner and getting that that made it like the thing that I got plus all the stuff around it. I love these episodes so much. Yeah, like it just, it, I love hanging out with you guys in, in general, but just like yeah. to turn up the fire <laughs> and just <laughs> and bask the in the gold. It's yeah. just, oh, oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I know he, he was an asshole, but like, I saw those initials carved in all yeah. of the cabinets. Yeah, that and was, then the that was really nice. Super Bowl cup, like, oh, or it was the Stanley, the Stanley cup, right? cup. Yeah, yeah. 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 Special Stanley Cup cup. Yeah, that. Yeah, the ending was just a heartwarming, tear jerking, well done bow on top. It was a very good ending. Yeah. That was excellent. All this video game talk. I was thinking uh, a couple weeks ago about what you watched me play Hitman that first time I played. God, that I, I don't know that You're I've killed. ever had more fun Everybody. playing a video game. And I just got up into the attic. It was like a horror film. I got up and I had screwdrivers and kitchen knives and I was just hanging out up there. And just and it was one shot every time. And they just kept coming up. <laughs> oh, fucking fuck. That ruined the game. So when I got it and went to play it, like I could never get up that fast, that quick ever again. And that's the thing. When I came down, finally, everybody was dead. Like I could do the mission super easy because there was no security left. If there's nobody to notice. (laughs) All right. So now it's time for the, the real favorite segment and I'll put it right here. It is, it is time for another situational movie representation. Okay. Um, this is going to, I mean, like the, the low-hanging fruit, and that's always what I pick, is favorite video game movie. And either it's an adaptation or it's one based on a fictional video game, like has video game as a part of the, the equation. Scott, I'm giving you a lot of... A lot of ground to co- uh, cover there. Yeah, you are. <laughs> For you eventually to say, I don't really have one, but here are two. <laughs> <laughs> I really like both Wreck-It Ralphs. Um, Solid. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, and I'll go with the first one, but just, yeah, the first, you know, going through the, the cord into the video game world and interacting with all of the different other characters, the AA type meeting with all the villains. Um just all of the little cameos you get as you walk through that main central station. Um, I just love that one a lot. Yeah. And for it to create its own video game world to nest within those other ones was really cool. So that's my first one that comes to mind. It felt like toy story for video games. And that, that was the coolest thing. Like Mm -hmm. even there was recognizable IP, but it was like homegrown feeling like the Woody doll felt and like that stuff. Yeah. I think for me, it's probably the wizard just because that was one of the, you know, again, it, it, it was from that, that same era, but actually came out then not years later as a nostalgic thing of, of the eighties, but, you know, 
kind of seeing the the boom of video games in real time and seeing like you know <laughs> and the the idea of how like the kid is like you know he's kind of like tommy with video games it's just like oh man if i could be that good at video games you know like that that whole thing like maybe i'm the the video game chosen one you know that kind of thing if i ever get a chance to play video games but um yeah just like and the fact, I think the fact that like playing video games was like a contest, that was the first time that was sort of introduced. And now that's, I feel like that's normal, but it's like, what if I could get so good at video games? Like I'm not good at sports cause I'm fat, but what if I get good at video games? I could win prizes from that maybe, you know? Um, plus just, you know, again, like, like I said, the reveal, like <laughs> in that one, the power glove actually worked and the, <laughs> the, the reveal of super Mario three, like oh, it, you know, that it had everything, you know? Also it was like with Fred Savage being like, you know, I was aware of him from wonder years, but that, that show took place in my dad's childhood era. So I didn't connect with him as much in wonder years, but seeing him in this now, like someone I knew being a kid, my age, you know, again, I connected a lot, a lot more with that part of it. In keeping with my multiple answers. I mean, the answer has to be Wreck-It Ralph though, right? That's, it's not just good. It's really excellent, which is kind of unusual for video game movies and, and tired movies. But more recently, I really enjoyed Uncharted. I know it reviewed kind of middlingly, but I don't, uh, the games themselves are based on the, the movies that are just kind of big dumb action movies with a straight of cool pseudo history, right? Like Indiana Jones, you know, Tomb Raider, the whole deal. So when the movie was the same way, right? It, it just breezes through its plot super quickly. If you ever stop to ask why, you're going to get left behind. Just roll <laughs> with it. But man, it was so cool. It was full of cool puzzles. All of the actors sounded seemed like they were having so much fun making the thing, right? The effects were great, especially, I think, boom, perfect. That was all we ever needed out of an Uncharted movie. If it had tried to be anything more, it would have been, a, a you know, just shaming the source material, right? So, great. Put it on. It's on streaming now. Just Tossed on, grab some popcorn, have some fun, right? Um, on the flip side, Free Guy, which I just, whenever that came out last year, this year, whatever. Damn, that was really good. I, I, I really didn't think it would be. And, you know, it was, they say that, you know, to parody something, you have to care about it, right? To parody it properly. And it, it really showed here, right? They make fun of so much about the game's industry, the nature of video games, online interactions, like, and, but it it always does it really well, and even though the the end game of sorts, sorry, the you know the point of the plot, the where we're going is a little bit totally fantastical and saccharine. It it just feels like another level of of uh, satire of like you know what, sure, why not? Dream big. It's video games. They're cool. They're, who cares, right? There's the sense of just let it go, and it's not as intense as with Uncharted. Right? There is an actual. Like the plot is more sensible and, and to get more depth into characters, I think. Again, not the point of Uncharted, but but I just I went into Free Guy expecting Uncharted, right? Expecting two-ish hours of cool action and some jokes, and to come out going, that was a good way to spend an evening. And instead, I came out going, wow, that was a really good movie. <laughs> so there you go. But in addition to Wreck-It Ralph being the quote-unquote best video game movie in terms of the quality of the film. I would argue that the best video game movie in terms of adaptation is Doom. <laughs> and this was from before the Doom reboot, so that's sort of the, the game reboots. So that sort of changed things now. But yeah, with uh, Carl Urban and right the 
The Rock? Can't, what can't Carl Urban do? Well, right. <laughs> it's just... Again, it's it's kind of just a big dumb action movie, but it's it's perfect. Space Marines show up. There's a portal to hell. They shoot a bunch of stuff. There's an actual first-person perspective sequence to pay direct visual homage to the game that plays almost exactly like old cabinet games used to play, like Time Crisis. I mean, it's it's just perfect. It's stupid, but it's perfect. No, you actually made me think. I thought of two more as you were saying that because I I for, kind of forgot that whole genre. But like the the very first Resident Evil movie, right? And a whole Silent Hill movie. Oh, I forgot about the Silent Hill movies. Yeah. Movie movies? Did they make more than I one? I think there's two. Two. There's at least two. Yeah. But the the fir- I, the second one was fine. But the the first one I love. Yeah. Same thing with the Resident Evil. They they went on to make more, which were okay, but the first one was amazing. Yeah. Even the Tomb Raider movies. I think the game came first, right? That's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That whole there's that whole legacy of just video games aping certain movie genres and then getting films made about them <laughs> and then people complain when the films are like formulaic and genre centered it's like no you don't understand <laughs> yeah, that is not not why we're here <laughs> so i think like i really like the prince of persia movie i've never played the game as much but like i thought like it's cool i like the dagger i like yeah. the effects i thought it was serviceable you know like a good dumb aladdin kind of story i enjoyed that quite a bit i agree um, a thousand percent and then i like i i like that the live action super mario's brothers movie exists like i love it as a thing that exists it is it's fascinating even watching it you're not entertained but you're fascinated like why does this exist this way so like that Whenever people are like, ah, oh, we would never watch that. Like, no, watch that and ask all the questions because that is half the experience. And the so, fact that it's Bob Hoskins and yes. John Leguizamo. Shakespearean actor and amazing character. Like, and also they're putting everything in it. Like, they aren't, they're not, Bob, uh, 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 who, fucking Hooper. Uh, uh, Dennis Hopper? Uh, Dennis Hopper is the fucking, he's King Koopa and he's fucking chewing the scenery. Like, it's a, I, I'm so glad it exists. Oh. <laughs> so, objectively knowing that that the quality of that film, unironically though, I really like 95's Mortal Kombat. And I hadn't seen it until the new one came out. So I saw the new one, I really enjoyed that. And then I watched the old one and I was like, "Oh, they made some choices in this movie. <laughs> the effects, I it is a strange acid trip of a movie there are like unexplained choices in that and just wildly entertaining i i yes i that that one i i was i was searching for it it's like oh maybe super mario and then i remembered mortal kombat it's like no that's unquest unquestionably my favorite one <laughs> the whole reptile the way reptile <laughs> is in that movie <laughs> is just stupid <laughs> <laughs> Somebody called Geico. Their animation of a lizard is better. <laughs> Gosh. Before he had an Australian accent. Like, that's how good the gecko was. <laughs> These are war games. Uh, does that fit into your... I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. Sure. Ooh, in that, in that, in that case, Cloak and Dagger, which I think is based on a fictional game or something, but it has a video game as part of it. I actually don't think I've even heard of that. Me neither. Ooh, I that's... thought the Marvel... Cloak no, if you dip back, that's that's I think also '80s. It has uh, I think it's Dabney Coleman. I think that's his name, and uh, 
I think it was the kid who played Elliot in E.T. I think he's like the main character, but oh, I it's am something in with this poster. <clears throat> something where like I... he first of all he has like this imaginary friend who's like this military guy, but it's kind of based on his father. Basically, I'm getting the sense of like who he wishes his father was because his father is kind of absent. And then there's something where he's playing a video game and some microchip gets hidden inside a video game and this kid ends up with it. And so like these people are chasing him to get it back. So it has all these secrets or something and there's people getting killed around him. And it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Like it's one of those, it's like, who is this for? Because I feel like most adults aren't going to want to watch this. Cause it's like this, a kid is the main character. But then if you're a kid watching it, it's fucking terrifying. Cause like all these adults are trying to kill him. <laughs> Originally released in a double feature with the last starfighter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, check it out. By Tom Holland. No, no, different. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> he now owns the rights and is remaking it with himself as the child lead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, if you get a chance, can... check it out. It's good. The new Jumanji's went video gamey. Those were oh, super okay. great. Really, I, I yeah, I agree. Yeah. I haven't seen the sequel. Yeah, yeah the excellent movies. I do love that spin on it. Yeah. I was going to ask if anyone's seen, speaking of The Rock in video game movies multiple times now, did anyone see Rampage? I did. Was it good? I enjoyed the hell out of Rampage. <laughs> I haven't seen Big it. Big Dumb Gorilla. It oh, it is. Don't expect high art. Like, it's just I mean, a popcorn yeah. movie. Like, did you see Skyscraper? Still no. Yeah. Oh, see Skyscraper. For, <laughs> if you're, okay. If you're going to see a schlocky rock movie, watch Big Die Hard. Big Red okay. Die Hard. That's what it is. Like, I, I, like, I enjoyed Rampage, and then I saw Skyscraper. It's like, oh, this is all of that plus more. <laughs> right. Because we get it in 8-Bit Christmas, and it was one of – it was – it was one of those games that like I came into as a kid and it really stood out to me. Like, whoa, you can be a monkey or a lizard or a rat and you can just punch on a building. Like that's fantastic. Uh, so I will need to watch the movie version of that because yeah, that sounds it, great. It's great. It... <laughs> <laughs> Dipping into Google here. Um, the Pokemon movie. I can't believe Fair. I forgot that. I mean, that was a defining moment of my generation. And yeah. super embarrassing, Need for Speed, hmm. the movie that I love <laughs> the podcast. I totally wrote that. I had that, and I was like, I was going to remind you of it. I totally spaced. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to talk about documentaries. Because I've seen I was two also going to talk oh, yeah. Do we have the two same ones? Because I also have two. Go for it. <laughs> On the count of three. Um, I'll take one. You can take one. One I was thinking of was the um, the Atari one. I think Game Over. The... Yeah. Yeah, that's where all the, the copies of ET oh, the in the desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's so Sorry, good. Game over. I love that whole adventure. Is just like, is this a real thing? Oh, it is. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing is great. I do yeah. love how the whole time in that documentary, they're like, it's shit, it's shit, it's shit. And in the last fifteen minutes, there's like fourteen <laughs> people that they've been holding in the wings. Like, no, I think this is actually a really good game because it's difficult. <laughs> 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 I love that twist ending of that documentary. <laughs> the other one then, was uh, a kin of Kong. Yeah, that Kong. was my yep. second one. Yeah. yeah, high five on two for two. Yeah, that was Boom. such a good one too. <laughs> that one's great. I love, I love how sinister the the bad guy is in that one. Yeah. Like with the doctoring <laughs> scores and stuff, and how like I don't know slippery that guy was. Right. 
with his like didn't he have like barbecue sauce and stuff like he used his <laughs> yeah, like video like game uh uh accolades to have these other side hustles right it's a full circle and to bring adam sandler back into it pixels was actually a very great movie like i like pixels a lot wow yeah <laughs> and that one's a little bit king of kong because the whole there's weirder there's so many premises so like okay <laughs> adam sandler and then um oh god i'm forgetting his name kevin james is in it too kevin james is in it and then he plays um Tyr- Tyrion lannister in in king oh of uh fucking uh, fucking oh my god. why can't we remember this <laughs> do 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 Please insert music here. Yeah, this is where we put the uh, <laughs> elevator. Put this all together. God, Peter Dinklage. God Thank fucking you, damn it. Jesus. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is the villain guy who's like the master of arcade games. And he's just talking shit. And he's this, you know, he's won every competition. He's the guy for video games. And then there's Adam Sandler. And then Kevin James is the president of the United States. <laughs> and then the world is getting invaded by aliens and, and or whatever, and they have to fight anyway. Went into it, saw it at the Elvis Cinemas two dollar movies uh, summer blockbuster season. Just needed to get out of the heat into the AC. We're ready to just dunk on it, and it was enjoyable and heartfelt and a very good movie. Like I doubted Adam Sandler, which I shouldn't do because that's my guy, but like I did, and then I went in, and it was great. So Pixels is great. Pixels is a great video game movie. I will take that under advisement because I have yes. not I have not heard that about that movie. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim was on the fun, list here. Yeah. Like Just... Rampage, don't go in with a lot of expectations, <laughs> but it's, it's reverse good. it on it. That's fair. The guy who just dunked like said Rampage was watchable. Like I have no I have no We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> um the Scott Pilgrim movie has gamey elements, right? Yeah. Detective Pikachu. Did any of you see that? Yeah, I was going to say that, that, was, that was great. Really yeah. good. Yeah. I would I would love a sequel, honestly. That was really good more. world building and oh, felt immersive. To the podcast. Yeah. I think you should, yeah. A little noir. Yeah. <laughs> and then two things I've just discovered while Googling. House of the Dead, 2003 action horror film directed Is it by Rob Zombie. Oh, okay. Supposedly a prequel to the 1996 House of the Dead game. Never even heard of it. Can't really comment. But then, more bizarrely, War Games, The Dead Code, 2008 direct-to-video sequel to the 1983 film War Games. Wait, it, he's not in it, though, right? Like, isn't Michael J. Fox in the first one? Was it Matthew Broderick, I think? Broderick, right. Yeah. Is Broderick in the, the sequel? They didn't no. pull Broderick. He <laughs> won Tony Awards year. between the last one and now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. No, I don't see. I liked War Games. I thought War Games yeah. was really interesting. No, it's fine. I liked Tron. The original Tron, I think, was really yeah. cool. The light bike thing, like, was just still blows my mind. I think that's one of the coolest 
concepts I've ever seen. Well, but Tron itself kind of predates, well, not like predates video games, right? But sort of, I don't know. I don't. I don't think of that as a video game movie. Somehow, I think of it as a computer movie, like a technology movie, right? Which I, not that I'm, I'm necessarily correct in any capacity. It just, like, I definitely think of the arcade cave as having come from the film, and then I think of the sequel as having relied on the gaminess to draw you in to this living world. But like, for some reason, I just think of Tron itself as a, a, a single sort of establishing canon. I, I guess I it's know, more right? of a mainframe. But I mean, it's no, in I, a it cabinet, is. right? Like it's in. Oh no, absolutely. A, I mean, it's like, it's it's completely a, a video game movie. You know, I just like I'm pretty sure it was inspired by video games anyway. The whole thing, I just like I for some reason it doesn't click for me, right? But the whole oh you're in a game and you're gonna play games to survive clicks for me as a you're in a computer sort of thing in another world. I guess that's the result world. of the sequel, right? Because the sequel talks about this whole like the cabinet's been covered in dust for fifty years, but the world the itself has lived on yeah. and the society has built. So I guess that colored my, my perception of the, the original. It's interesting. Like this is the second movie that we've watched completely cold. It was my son. And then this one, mm-hmm. and somehow the improv movie starring <laughs> McAvoy is the lesser of the two cold runs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you, Joel. Thank you for that. And thank you, Zeke, for your gift-related situational recommendation. Oh, that was also yeah. great. Yeah. That's fun. And thank you, Tim, for adding 8-Bit Christmas to the pool. Yeah. And for being thank from the guys. 80s and reporting back to the accuracy. That too. <laughs> yeah. that too. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for joining us for this special holiday episode. Special holiday episode. So the next film up, will be the last of our revisiting series of our what if Zeke were around for the films he wasn't around for series. And this time we let Zeke pick one off of the list of the remaining films. And if I do recall, Zeke, you said you have a decision made, yes? Yes. This next episode will be my selection, which is Bronson. I'll save it for the actual episode, but I'm eager to hear why of the the remaining films on the list, why you picked that one specifically. Mm. So, mm-hmm. although I'm really excited to go back to it with, um, not with fresh eyes, but for a second pass, basically, because my first time through was totally blind. I'd never oh. seen it. And I really, I haven't actually watched it since. I don't think I, I watched it twice for the first episode. Cause like, I just had to rewatch it, but that doesn't really count. Right. I just, now that I've had some time, I'm really excited to go back and give it a second look with foreknowledge. Like I had said, like I, I would recommend watching the trailer on this one, and I can send you the one I had seen before seeing it for the first mm. time. That hopefully that'll give you a better kind of because I like I sprung it on Tim and Scott really fresh, and Tim was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so cool. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. It should be great. That'll wrap up our little uh, what if segment here too, and. After that, we'll be moving back on to regular selections. Regular what? selections. <laughs> but I can finally bring you a movie I've been holding on to for two and a half years. <laughs> and I'm not going to come up with any more bright ideas and ruin it. Like I did with this last cycle. <laughs> I, did, I did love hearing about it the next episode. You were like, 
I was really mad because I suggested idea. I thought you guys were going to just like wait, want to wait and do it instead of doing it right away. Yeah, geez. <laughs> I guess I need worse ideas. Huh? <laughs> oh, it's tough being this talented, guys. Really. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for for joining me here for watching through our holiday movie and giving it a chance. And thanks for helping narrow it down. Thanks again to Tim for adding eight bit to the pool. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for this follow up holiday episode. Until next time, have a good night. Bye. 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 I figure Tim wasn't here for that. We can do it later. Movie Mumble comes to you from NerdsThatGeek.com. Visit NerdsThatGeek.com for all things Movie Mumble. Movie Mumble is hosted by Scott Murray, Joel Lewis, Tim Gerard, and Zeke Perez. The Movie Mumble theme song and all its variations were composed by Tim Gerard. The situational recommendation theme was composed by Joel Lewis, Scott Murray, and Tim Gerard, reluctantly. This episode of the Movie Mumble podcast was edited by Joel Lewis. There it is. Let's go Batman with it. That's how we'll do it from now on. (laughs) It's holiday. Special. Holiday. I believe it's holiday. Can you be trusted? (laughs) You will. You will. (laughs) You believe in Christmas. Where is he? Rachel. (laughs) Where is Harvey Dent? (laughs) Where's the Nintendo? Where is it? Cabbage my, match. My parents are dead. <laughs> they couldn't buy me a Nintendo. No Christmas. <laughs> Red hair, freckles, <laughs> cabbage patch. Oh no! See, you won't. Do I've fun. ruined it all. <laughs> my goddamn headphones have ruined it all. My- <laughs> What was the accent you wouldn't do with us, but now you do with Batman like no big deal? <laughs> First of all, it was two accents fused together. So that's fair. That's fair. That's a lot. <laughs> no, 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 not not the. I didn't mean to to bring back up the Spock JFK impression. I that's, thought that's what it was. Thank you. I appreciate you reacknowledging <laughs> oh that impression. <laughs> we were all doing. Oh, we were all doing JFK. I think you just. Were, <laughs> You wouldn't participate in the JFK accents. Fallen and uh, prosper. <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's not even JFK doing Spock. It's uh, Mayor Quimby doing Spock, right? <laughs> <laughs>